everyone and welcome to Callum and David Make It Better. This is of course our weekly podcast where we take some of the worst rated films in cinema history and see if we can use our collective uh, scribing experience and knowledge to see if we can make them better. That is entirely correct. Um, I, to be honest, I didn't think this one would be that bad. Mm, Didn't Um, you? Well, you know, the cast and, mm-hmm. you know, relative budget and, uh, you know, and, and quite a good idea and an adaptation, which means mm-hmm. something else that it's based on has worked before. So, yeah. you know, I was, I was quietly looking forward to it. And also it's a kid's film. So, yeah. you know, often, you know, things aren't that, it's, it's sometimes, anyway, um, I, I was wrong. It was just <laughs> bloody awful, <isn't> it? <laughs> Yes, so the film we are talking about today is, of course, the 2006 uh, superhero uh, kids family film Zoom, uh, starring Tim Allen, Courtney Cox, Chevy Chase, Rip Torn, uh, Kate Mara, and... uh, And, of course, Smash Mouth. And, of course, music (laughs) uh, supported by Smash Mouth. It's Um, not just me, it's the whole identity of the... Really, it could be called Zoom, Smash Mouth the movie. (laughs) Like... Like it's so it weird. Is, it is sponsored by Smash Mouth. There is there is six six different Smash Mouth songs. I didn't know there were six Smash Mouth songs no. in existence. Uh, what's weird is that not one of them is All Star. One of them nearly is. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, not one of them is is a recognizably famous Smash Mouth song. Um. So, uh, Zoom. Uh, of course, uh, has to come under the uh, 25% uh, Rotten Tomatoes threshold to qualify for Cadmium Cast, and uh, it does with aplomb. In fact, it's 4% wow. uh, yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. It was made on a budget of $75 million, uh, and it grossed 12 and a half back. So, uh, yeah, big box office bomb, directed by British director Peter Hewitt, um, who uh probably most famous for doing um, the... Um, Bill and Ted's sequel, uh, oh, Focus right. Journey, which actually I, I think is a better film than the first one. I um, really enjoyed it. I don't know whether it's going to appreciate the, the whole Seventh Seal um, yeah. Bergman references and all that kind of stuff. It's great. Um, and William Sadler's brilliant as death and, and all mm-hmm. that. Um, and I love, I love the scene at the end of the concert where they keep going, well, we went back and did this, and then it appears. Mm, yeah. That's lovely. Um, how they play with time travel, that's really good fun. But yeah, it doesn't seem like he... He made about three films. He was very prolific, and then he made this. And after this, there's about three films on his credits and nothing wow. else. And I'm like, God, that really killed shows his you. Yeah, it does. It's a shame. Um, now before we get into the film, I just wanted to um mention a few of the people that were considered to play the lead role of uh, <laughs> Jack Shepard slash Captain Zoom. Obviously, ultimately, as we mentioned, went to. Tim Allen, who actually ended up uh, doing some uh, rewriting of an early draft uh, of the script, um, which we were talking about, so that's quite confusing, given the list of quite a lot of names that I'm going to read out. And I was like, well, were they auditioning people before the script was finished? Because <laughs> um, as Callum mentioned, it is an adaptation. It's an adaptation of a of a, of a kid's kind of cartoon book, I think. Um, uh, so they did have source material, perhaps, and they perhaps they started the casting process before they finished writing it. But Nevertheless, uh, now this is the weirdest, most like scattergun 
approach to casting I've ever heard because it is a com- <laughs> it is a completely different film depending on every single person that I'm going to read out, okay? So, Kevin Spacey. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy? Mm-hmm. Uh, in mm-hmm. 2006? Mm-hmm. John Malkovich. Uh, oh. Oh, what? Uh, now, the next person I think is the absolute best person and they should have gone with Jack Black, I think would have been brilliant in this role. Yeah, fantastic. Um, David Arquette. Uh, yeah. Fine. Uh, Vince Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And my absolute favourite, because imagine this film with this person. Lead role. The romantic lead role in 2006. One of the people considered was Martin Short. <laughs> Brilliant. Can, I want... I mean, that's it. I that's mean... it. That's how that's make it better. Just do what you apparently were considering at one point. Whatever that was. And put Martin Short in this. With yeah. Martin Short. I yeah. mean... It, it. That is the list. Like, what casting... Di- that is just a drunk casting director playing a drinking <laughs> game with other casting directors going, say the weirdest thing! Say the weirdest thing! Like, none... none, none Having said that, the film doesn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense with anyone. I just don't know what their thinking would have been. There's one more interesting, interesting casting note. Uh, so Summer Jones, who is the what seventeen-year-old yeah. uh, uh, teen girl, one of the students that's part of the Zoom Academy of Superheroes, um, played by a young Kate Mara, of course, who you'll know probably most from House of Cards. Um, yep. but done a lot of. Uh, films now and things like that um pretty pretty big barnes big, yeah uh, journalist pretty big hollywood actress school sister of rooney mara um uh, it, well someone that was considered for that role in 2006 to play a 17 year old girl was nicole kidman uh, yeah i mean that doesn't make any sense w- w- uh, like is she not yeah. relatively the same age as courtney cox yeah Right, well, so she would have very been, much so. She would, she would have been in her like late thirties at this point. Yeah. So why was she, it, it? It would have bizarre. made absolutely no sense. Bizarre. I mean, yeah, the amount it gives you an idea of how much of the film and how it reads in general in Hollywood depends on you know who, what the casting is, and I think you've always got to remember that on in terms of Hollywood rewrites and stuff like that. A lot of plays or screenplays that get picked up. Um, you know, writers go, oh, I can't believe what they've done to my film. Because yeah. studios really mm-hmm. can, when they buy the rights, go, oh, by the way, we're making that character completely different because yeah. it gets funding if we put yeah. this person in here and therefore we can make it. Um, having said that, I don't feel too sorry for uh, for the makers of Zoom because they across the board, they've done that, not just with casting decisions, yeah. but with every decision with they every possibly decision. could have made. Yeah. Um, and none of it, none of it bought them box office. So, no, no. <laughs> what a nightmare! Should so, we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. So uh, we open, and straight out of the gate, about six seconds into the film, uh, I wrote the sound mix is awful. Oh, really, really <laughs> weird. I wrote yeah. a similar note. Yeah. So you have uh, obviously the minute the first, mm-hmm. um, like the your opening credits, you normally have that little 
bit where you have the distributors come up yeah. like icon or yeah. um, or Papo or whatever uh those came up i don't i just didn't recognize any any of it no. um any of the studio logos and sometimes you have the little like 20th century fox have a little theme tune yeah and sometimes films put the logo up but they don't do the theme tune yeah because they want to set the scene straight away yeah right normally those are kind of like arty movies yeah that have yeah a bit of sway yeah because the you know the director's like an author who's yeah, like yeah, okay yeah. you can have the logo but you can't have that because it's going to take them out of it and i want to get yeah. them straight away they do that with this yeah but 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 instead of course what's the music it's smash, it's mouth. smash mouth it's smash mouth so and... it's like let's sacrifice that part of the financial deal we have with that distribution studio affiliate in order to play a song by smash mouth you've never heard before mm-hmm. interspersed by one of the most badly recorded voiceovers i've ever heard in my life it's the mix and and the mix is just dreadful because it's like it's it it, it, it's not mixed it feels like they're playing uh smash mouth on uh it's that it's all in the same room isn't it in a room and they're playing smash mouth very loudly from a hi-fi yeah. and then that's they're... connected to a mini disc via an aux cable yeah. that you is cheaper than you thought it was yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they're playing uh the recording of the voiceover <laughs> yeah. on an older worse hi-fi yeah that's sort of like right next to it and then there's and... a there's a, a, a room mic yeah that is uh fighting not show, knowing which part of the room to pick up at yeah. different points. Yeah, and yeah. The, the problem with this is that this is all the information that you need to know to understand the entirety of the film. Yeah. And they've decided to make it inaudible, which is really useful. And it's it's over the top of a comic strip. Yeah, it's like Roy Lichtenstein, like pop art, very much style, style yeah. of, uh, you know, recognisable comic strip. Yeah. But the voiceover isn't in the style of a of a, a comic voiceover because we're also used to that trope. Yeah. If you know, if you were going to do the impression of a, a comic narrative, what would you do? In a world. Exactly. Right. Straight yeah. off the bat, in a world where yeah. people or men have powers, and yeah. you know, it would be that. But it's not. It's this kind of like the American equivalent of like Mrs. Merton. <laughs> you know, if it was a British-made film. And then there was a superhero who came over, and and this was quite nice. And what's nice about this, actually, right now in my headphones, I I can hear a little bit of what you call natural reverb, Mm. which is the actual room reverberating. So when I referred to it being a room mic earlier on, picking up, as you quite rightly said, like two different recordings, (laughs) that happens about three times in this. Mm -hmm. I just said that there's an echo slash reverb coming in and out, but not like... It's like a natural room reverb that you yeah. can hear from two guys on their sofa. <laughs> yeah, who won't edit that much. <laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah. like that's like we're already slightly better quality than the yeah. opening. Yeah, five minutes of this. Seventy-five million dollars. Unbelievable. And this Unbelievable. is the best they could make. And the Roy Lichtenstein text is fine because it's recognisable, and you can do that yeah. now on your computer on Word. You can do that. Um, yep. You wouldn't even have to download free fonts. No. But but what they've managed to do is get that, right? And I'm like, well, good. And then they've got terrible artwork. It's yeah. like, this is an awful comic book. Yeah. yeah. Like, 
Like it's dreadful. Yeah. Like just just pay someone, man. Yeah. And they have had to do like illustrated drawings of someone that looks like Tim Allen as a boy, but with yeah. Tim Allen's face. It's been and that weird. made me laugh. Yeah. Because um, Tim Allen's never been any younger or older than he nah. is in this film. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So they are telling us the story of uh uh like the Zenith Academy, who yeah. are a group of uh were a group of superheroes uh about. Th- 30 years before so what like eight in the 80s i guess yes. uh 80s 70s uh who uh had special powers and they were um uh, trained in this kind in area 52 uh stupid mm-hmm. uh in in this kind of military base uh and uh they were led by two brothers uh captain zoom and <laughs> concussion 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 is the Concussion. name of one of the superheroes. The brother of Captain Allen is Captain Zoom. Concussion is a, a boy. I don't know who it is. Um, and uh, they uh, pump Concussion uh, to try and make him more powerful with loads of gamma rays. Yeah. And it goes wrong and uh, he turns evil. And is basically responsible for the death of, of everyone except for Captain and Zoom, Zoom because his yeah. powers very 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 fast. So he manages to make a getaway. He doesn't know what's happened. He thinks his brother died as well, and everyone died, and it was like a freak thing. Um, and and that's that's kind of it. That's the sort that's of story kind of, of that this this group of people. A, a terrible tragedy happened. One turned evil and went away. The other one, his brother thought everyone else was dead so turned his back on the group and and that's it mm-hmm. and then we um pan in on two real people uh one of them is uh a military general just to uh just to interrupt there there is something we see briefly before those two people which is a uh, helicopter uh, oh yeah sorry mm-hmm. it sets the scene mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's a helicopter mm-hmm. that's painted now, it, like it? <laughs> yeah, now because it's not it's not yeah. any ordinary helicopter is no. it it's not and it's it's a special very special it's helicopter. A special helicopter that's designed to be disguised so mm. it looks like a cow <laughs> <laughs> like you know the early cravendale design <laughs> when it was all black and white like a frisian mm. cow mm. It's that. So good the cows want it back. So good the cows want it back. Mm. You know, that's right. Is that, is yeah, that's, right, that's, that's right what one. Ravendale was. Um, I always You've attribute... been saying that for the whole... Every, I've known you for years. Yeah, so I often... Every time. Uh, so there are two, there are two advertising <laughs> phrases that I misattribute. I'm, I'm glad we're clearing this up. Constantly. One yeah. is so good the cows want it back. But I often... Yeah. I think I've said it about Boddington's beer before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because there were were there not cows in that ad, in the Boddington's advert, and it was to do with like how creamy Boddington's. And it was like Mel Sykes and a load of cartoon. Oh yeah, cows. she was Boddington's. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think. Oh maybe. So I think that's where why I think when it. But or uh, I say it a lot about Carlsberg. So, <laughs> say lot, so good, yeah. the Danes want it back. Yeah, you always have like, not what that you phrase mean was. Cows. And, yeah, and, <laughs> and Cravendale. And so, but that, I think that's the first time yeah. I've ever said Cravendale. Right. Um, and the other one is what's in your wallet, which yeah. I also attribute to every single but financially based company. Yeah, anything, anything and, at yeah. all, anything yeah. that might feature money. Yeah, uh, is what's in your. I wallet. I still don't really know what what's in your wallet is. Egg card. 
No, mint card. Capital One. Egg card and mint card were yeah. the two different things. Yeah. Were they? Okay. They were different I things. I feel like it's the same company. Uh, probably. Well, mm. it, well, this was the deregulation of the banks. So suddenly you could run a, a bank with zero experience. So you know what's happened with all the energy companies now? Yeah. Where all you have to do is you have about 80,000, 70,000 capital. Right. You can set up a company. You don't have to have any employees. All you have to do is have an inbox and you have to be uh, sponsored by a uh, an existing financial company, mm-hmm. which is called a shell company. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, if you think of like um, Bulb mm-hmm. and all of that, they're all owned by Russian shell companies. Right. Okay. So all you have to do is run at a, a loss for about two years. Uh, the algorithm will just set you to the lowest price when you're gaining customers. Everyone moves over to that. Then the prices go up. Then the companies turn over huge amounts of money, but they don't have any longevity because they're all owned by Russian shell companies. That's what happened with banks in 2008 when they all crashed. So that's why they're all able to use what's in your wallet. Is a uh, yeah, that's... that's makes it's sense. a common... Makes sense. It makes sense why they all had that phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. explain the cow thing, but... Mm. Um, but who knows? Cows were big, certainly in the world of Hollywood, uh, Hollywood fictional comic what? adaptations. But, but like, what is this helicopter thought... is shaped what? like a, is painted like a cow? What is the thought process? Is it just it's a kids' film and it will be funny because there's it, it's not ref- it's never no. referenced. No, there's never any connection to cows and the the Zoom and and the the Zenith Academy or anything like like it. There's no reason for it. There's no reason for it to be in the colour of a of a of a cow. I'm like. assuming it's stock footage, and they went, "Yeah, that looks kid friendly." <laughs> okay, are you? So you're assuming that someone once went, "Do you know what? We need to have some B-roll of of a cow helicopter, so in case anyone wants to use it in the future." I think someone at the studio knew that there was another film. That they owned, that incorporated that recording. In the same way that I'm assuming whoever was producing this film, for some reason, had made a weird lucrative deal with Smash Mouth, and gone, well, you know, we didn't just buy like All Star for Shrek. Actually, we have their entire back catalogue, and we haven't used it. Come on, guys, we're sitting on a gold mine here. I'm assuming that's how the Smash Mouth theory is gonna is gonna is explain explain the yeah. cows, and I think it's probably gonna explain a few things. Okay, as we sense. go through, that's gonna yeah. be my my yeah. uh, thinking anyway. So there's no explanation for that, um, but it does tell us that um, is it, well, it doesn't tell us anything really because it it kind of throws you off the scent of a military base, yeah, it does. and then, and then it, it immediately puts you in a two shot with a doctor. It either a... it, it either does nothing or it actively works against setting a scene. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, but it's, it definitely... At best, at best, at, at best you, you can just ignore it. At, at worst, worst, you decide to pay attention foot to foot. it and think about it, yeah. which then means that you're further away from where you need to be in your mind of where, where we are. Also, like, if I hear Smash Mouth yeah. and yeah. I see a, a cow helicopter. helicopter painted like a cow, I yeah. think I'm about to zoom in on an overhead shot of a pool on spring break. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be yeah. like a, you know, a teen movie. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like an American Pie spinoff. Like, it is it is that because there's 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 some Jimmy World in there. Yeah. There's there's some uh, uh, Save Ferris. There's some uh, Bowling for Soup. Fight like for this, Fighting as yeah, well. It's, like, it's all very a, teen. It's a very early noughties teen. Yeah, like American Pie style soundtrack. But again, That's not the film. I, I think I think this is going to be a rights thing. I think it's <laughs> we've got these songs in the bank, guys. We can <laughs> and use them for free. We've only got them for another month. Yeah. We need to turn them out to this film. That's it. They've all got to go in this film. Otherwise, we lose the rights. Yeah, all like secretly, Tim Allen wrote all those songs and just go, <laughs> I want to get Royal Royalties for that. Tim, like... Tim Allen was the lyricist of Smash Mouth. Hey, yeah. we know he's great penman. Yeah. You say penmanship, but you don't say penman. Pen... Hmm. Penman. Penman. No, that's I like true. your penmanship, Mr. Penman. Mr. Yeah, you're a great penman. Yeah, sounds weird. It, that's a very good point. So, it wrongfoots you, but don't worry. We're going to have a nice establishing two shot. Two men. One of them in a white coat. Mm-hmm. Probably a doctor. Mm-hmm. The other one in military garb. Probably mm. a general. Yeah. Uh, four-star general. He's got four stars on his little cap. Four-star General Larrabee. General For most of the film. I thought yeah. it, No, I thought it was Laramie. No, it's, it's Larrabee. Larrabee. Yeah. But I'm glad it wasn't because for quite long the film I kept thinking about they kept talking about the project and the stuff that's happening. I kept thinking of Laramie Project, which is a very different, yeah, heavy, yeah, play, yeah, um, about another character, central character who's a, a real person called Matthew Shepard, and oh, the God. hero of this film is called Jack Shepard. Yeah. So I was just hearing Laramie Project and Shepard constantly for an hour and yeah. a half, and they did unsettled me. It's. It's also weird that he's called Jack Shepard because that's the name of Matthew Fox's character in Lost. And I'm pretty sure Lost came out like in this year. It's a good point. Made. Oh, so the thing is, strange. I didn't really watch Lost, right. but I do know the actor Jack Shepard. Who Jack Shepard, who is also in no, Peak Practice. Reading, he was in Peak Practice. Jack, very yep. prominent stage actor. I met him. Um, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I thought I, I went to see um, Matthew Kelly oh, yeah. in uh, Howard Barker's Victory. Oh, yeah. And Geraldine James, and I think it's stunning. Mm. Jack Shepard was in the audience. Of course he was. He's everywhere. He was there. And so I was queuing up the yeah, old Arcola. I remember that. Oh, I do. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> so <laughs> that, that, that's how much I don't want to move through this. These We've got two, two men. men. You to do it. Yeah. These two men, uh, it is important to mention, are Chevy Chase and Rip Torn, which is, which is instantly confusing. Why? Why are I? But then, of course, I remembered that this was pre-community and this was in that like period where he couldn't get any work because he was such an asshole yeah. on set and he uh, annoyed everyone so much that he couldn't yeah that he was doing People stuff like this for ages yeah. yeah um and it wasn't till, till <clears throat> community which was what, probably about five years after this five six years after this, i think the first season started um that that he got his yeah got a kind of little career resurgence um and now he's kind of yeah, crops up in much bigger and better things. So uh, that and and Rip Torn, I guess as well, is in a lot of terrible films. And I just love him so much that I forget that that's normal and not strange. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people might not know Rip Torn. Um, I, I I fell in love with him. I don't. I don't you probably knew him b- before I did. But I, the first time I knew of Rip Torn was Big Daddy, um, in uh, Cattle Hot Tin Reef. Really? 
Um, yeah, I didn't know who he was. Interesting. Then. First time I knew of Riptorn was that he's the the big boss in Men in Black. He's the he's the of course of he the, is, of course he is. But I didn't clock him. who that was or right. retain that information. Uh, and then of course, amazing in Dodgeball. <laughs> yeah, he that he's fantastic Steals in Dodgeball. Um, but so so I knew. But I then I knew of another Riptorn. Mm. I didn't realize when I was watching Cat Not Tin Reef, I, like, I know this guy. I know this guy. I didn't know him from Men in Black. I didn't yeah. know him from Dodgeball. I knew him yeah. from yeah, yeah, a one him. another wonderful film I where his refuse. performance is incredible. I, I'm going to you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to for the rest of we do this series refuse to put this film on the list, and I know it's under twenty five percent, and I know everyone hates it. But you but can't. You can't. I will not hear a bad word said against this absolutely dreadful, <laughs> abhorrent, awful film that is offensive in every way possible. But it's got such a soft spot in my heart. It's. It is if a, it's the film, I think you're about a to wonderful say, um, piece of work. Tour yeah. de Force by Rip Torn. Yeah. I don't know why he didn't get nominated, um, but of course it is the seminal tom green hit freddie got, got fingered. fingered yeah um, um so i so that's who rip torn is he's either a very well respected mm-hmm. uh, brilliant stage actor you know talked of extremely highly by yeah. auteurs like Ilya kazan classically yeah. trained one of the just top guys uh, or he's in awful awful films <laughs> yeah. and it's an incredible <laughs> career it's like i don't know how you straddle that no i I mean, at least Chevy Chase is going from, like, frat college humour of one generation to frat college humour of another generation, yeah. having little golden bits in the middle. But, like, he's, yeah. it's not like, how far have you fallen? It's yeah. a case of, well, you're meandering through a kind of fairly light entertainment relationship. Yeah. But Rip Torn's a massive heavyweight, or worse than Chevy Chase. <laughs> and so to have both of these kind of giants yeah. of American culture, like, yeah. I think they are both quite symbolic of Americana yeah. in different ways. Yeah spanning generations yeah both of them in very cheap costumes mm-hmm. chevy chase is wearing a toupee of his own hair <laughs> it's very odd like it's clearly not real hair yeah. but it is a chevy chase haircut which yeah. i would say is quite iconic yeah but yeah. it's yeah. it's a wig yeah yeah it's very confusing yeah um, um rip torn it's important to add is hammered for this whole film Absolutely. and it is Off so drunk. it is so clear and obvious that he's wasted in every scene he's in and it's been brilliant i mean yeah you he's yeah he's there's no other way of putting it yeah. he's just laughably off his trolley yeah in every scene uh and, and we have this wonderful kind of establishing shot these two men in relative positions of power um and uh, in charge of this room full of mm. scientists and military, armed military men. And Chevy uh, is looking at a screen and Riptorn's looking at the same screen. And he says, what are you looking at? And he says, concussion. Then we see a picture of a, quite a young boy. He reminds me a bit of Henry Carvel, actually. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and a big sign saying concussion and a map of something yeah. getting closer to Earth. Yeah. Um, and Riptorn says, what's that? And he says, well, it's concussion. He explains, because Riptorn can't read, apparently, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he says something technical. He says something technical and scientific, yeah. And then Riptorn comes back. Yeah, he with, does. With I... contender number one for best line of the film. Yeah, he says, I speak Greek, not geek. 
Right. So what's happening I mean, there? You can't, is... you can't move on at any point in this film. It's like trying, it's like wading through mud, right? But instead of just, oh, that's a slow process, it's like there are also piranhas in the mud, right? <laughs> and that's an example of like piranha number one. Like, oh, oh, we thought we would, are we finally getting to the first shot? The first shot of the film. How long have we been talking? We've been, we've been talking for 28 minutes. We've got to the first shot of the film and we're about to move on. And oh, piranha, bang. Yeah. How are we going to... I Greek? speak Greek, I speak not geek. Not geek. So what, what's happened there is that you've immediately introduced a character trait for this general that he speaks Greek. I know you didn't mean to do that. What you meant to do is what you thought was a funny gag that was throwing away. But, but within that, you've included a piece of information that I'm as an audience member who is just sitting down to watch this film, going to take on board as the first thing I learn about this character who you're presenting visually as being quite important. And from the script structure, the first thing we learn about this character is that he speaks Greek. And so that's what I'm now focused on. What? what, what okay. Not only that's does interesting. He I'm speak... looking forward to learning more about this. Not only does he speak Greek, but there's also an added element that he doesn't like science. Yeah. Or understand yeah. quite presumably quite a basic principle yeah. that is being spelled out literally on the board. Yeah. So as a child, I don't know that you're aiming this at children, yeah. but also it's the wrong structure of that gag because that gag relies on the setup involving the words Greek, Greek or geek. Yes, yeah, yeah, and then someone else saying, "I think you've misunderstood." Yeah. And or there's been a mishearing going on, yeah. and then I'm going to come back with a rhyme that makes fun of what you are, and they've forgotten the mechanics of that joke. Put another joke in that is uh, only funny if you think science and geeks are bad things, but also given us this weird bit of distracting information that this general speaks fluent in Greek. Do you know what? Do you know what they needed to do is they needed to have some kind of very quick small reference to the um uh the NATO alphabet because there are parts of the NATO alphabet that are, that are part of the Greek like alpha exactly is the same. in the science they so, should have had so uh, can alpha beta go, gamma yeah I speak Greek not geek because I'm in the army and I understand yeah. the NATO alphabet and there are crossovers between the Greek alphabet and then. That would have Something done it. like right. that right. would have made a, a slight sense of that. But yeah, no. we're going to have the word gamma said about eight times in the Greek yeah. alphabet. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Anything, anything that would have made the mechanics of the joke make sense. Uh, instead, the only way anybody could, child or adult watching the film, could have made, could have laughed at that was if they just went, oh, it doesn't matter that he he's an idiot. Uh, that, that doesn't understand how to make insults. The important thing is that he, like us, doesn't like intelligent scientists, so go him. Oh, and I'm looking forward to hearing him speak some Greek later. Just on that first point, um, uh, and this this will be a recurring theme, but um, there is a note that I've got. I think this was about something uh, a little later, but it, it's relevant here as well to this line. Because um, it's something I want you to think about as we go through this film uh, over and over again. I've just written, it's strange how much a kid's film delights in bullying. It's 
absolutely something we're going to be yeah. Yeah, coming back to a lot. So let's yeah. get out of the way now. Yeah. One of the things that makes this film awful, outside of its technical inability to make films. To, 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 to be a film. To be a film. It's lacking in all the film components. Um, it's just morally, is a horrible message for children. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the worst things about humanity put yeah. into a little movie. Um, yeah, so there's this thing. We have two figures of authority. One's a scientist. One's uh, a Greek-speaking general uh, who is mean, and he walks off. Um, then we have a... Montage. Uh, uh, in mon yeah, it's the first of many montages yeah. introducing superpowers. Yes. So we have uh, a close-up on um, a uh, a little six-year-old girl um, uh, pushing another child so hard that they fly up into a tree. Yeah. And you go, okay, she's super strong. She's super strong. But even with super strength, I'm, I still question gravitationally how that happened. Yeah, I don't know. Because she, he did. She pushed him so hard that he flew. Yeah, he like flew vertically upwards into the sky. But so I, I don't. Yeah, it's it odd. was more like that weird film Airbender, mm. where you can like move the air and that manipulates people. Yeah. in the air and Jamie Bell, uh, the last Airbender. No, um, um, uh, Dev Patel, I think, isn't it? Dev Patel? Did Jamie Bell do a superhero film? Um, he did, yeah, J Jumper. Oh, Jumper, yeah, different. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where he, his power was cardigans. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, we so get have then, this montage. Um, yeah, we get, have the little girl, we have, uh, Kate Mara, uh, in the queue for lunch in a high school and she's being bullied by some mean girl cheerleaders like, <laughs> which is I... weird because she's dressed as a mean girl but not a cheerleader <laughs> yeah. yeah so like like she's not she's not in a cheerleader outfit yeah she's in normal clothes yeah. but a very much a mean girl like yeah. principal school the hair the cardigan the whole everything about her and her attitude and then there are two, and then eventually three, uh, geeky girls with yeah. their hair scraped back and quite bad skin. Yeah. But they're in cheerleader <laughs> outfits. So I'm like, what? I'm I'm happy. I'm not I'm not condoning it, but I'm happy to jump on board with whatever you know stereotype you're going for or archetype you're trying to yeah. build. But you've got it wrong. Yeah. And we this is the introduction to the character yeah. who then turns out to be a massive role in the movie. Yeah. So and I don't really get it. They also I don't know what you thought about this. I don't think they those three cheerleaders played it so much as like mean girl bullying as they did, like, they were slightly possessed and cursing her. Yeah. Like, the third one got really close to her and had this really quite scary sort yeah. of psychotic yeah. look on him. I was like, hey, this is not this is played wrong. Yeah. And the insult as the well wasn't, like, it wasn't that mean. Like, no. one of them went, uh, yeah, you weirdo. And yeah. The other one went, oh, good one. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. So in your world, that's a really, that's the most offensive thing yeah. that you've said today. Yeah. It's not that, but yeah. it's, it's anyway, mean. Anyway, Kate Mara's uh, get so angry at this that uh, 
she makes all of the three the food, different right the three right i li- don't know liquid what food yeah it's like two of them are soup right two and one of them, them is like a chili yeah but they're also like one is purple one is green and one is, i'm like that's yeah. What what are you yeah. eating? It's, because that's not food that's ever existed before. The, the food of a other Quentin than, Blake. <laughs> yeah, illustration of a Roald Dahl. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah. So that because so it would look funny and vibrant when yeah. it all bubbles up and all goes over all their faces. Mm-hmm. It's also weird that they seem to be aware that somehow this is Kate Mara's fault, and I'm like, but they yeah don't know that she. Ha- it's very. Because her power is that it's like telepathy or telekinesis, I should say, uh, kind of ability to kind of manipulate things. Um, yeah, she's Matilda. Not, she can move things her, with her mind. She's not, Matilda. Yeah, that's not her. I mean, that's what we see her power is. But every time they talk about her power in this film, they say that she has the power to uh, understand things when she touches them, which isn't the power that we see. The power that we see is Matilda and telekinesis. Yeah. So it's weird. But that's but that also there's also there's inconsistencies there's about a lot of, a lot of later on as well. Um, so so that happens. Then we have uh, a high school uh, maths uh, classroom, and the teacher is Biff from Back to the Future. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Why are you in this tiny part? A famous bully you are, yeah, in a yeah. high school <laughs> situation. <laughs> and like, and you're playing a yeah. teacher authority figure. Yeah. Who who is saying? He's trying to explain Newton's law, and someone isn't paying attention at yeah. the back, and he turns around, and the dialogue is, "You're not if you're not paying attention and you're mucking around, perhaps you'd like to come and explain Newton's law." But he yeah. delivers it as Biff from Back to the Future, yeah. as if he's the bully. And I'm like, "Are you trying to tell children that when your teacher's making you listen, aren't they a bully?" I'm like, "Like, no, you're. He's fine." Like what he's saying is one thing, but what he's the way he's playing it is something else. It is weird though. I off because I off uh, Thomas F. Wilson, which is, is the actor's name, and he does crop up in these tiny, but like he's a dropping actor, and I'm like, what? How did you let that happen? I mean, I, I appreciate it's not always the fault of, uh, uh, actually, often not the fault at all of the of the, of the actor, the responsibility of it. Sometimes it's just the industry being the industry. Yeah. But considering you were the main antagonist of one of the biggest and most beloved films of all time, yeah. it's just odd that every... You know, I mean, okay, Crispin Glover hasn't had a huge career, but I'd say it's m- more successful than uh, than Thomas F. Wilson's. And, and well, I know Crispin Glover's name. I don't know Thomas F. Wilson's exactly, name. Yeah. Let me suppose. Um, and I, yeah, I often, I, I often see him in, in roles like this, and I'm like, man, you were, you were biffing Back to the Future. What are yeah. you it? And he never turns up in this film again. After this. It's, it is, it's a tiny day player bit part role. And, I, and it makes me sad that he has to take those uh, when he was in such an iconic film. Well, he's about to get comeuppance. Do you remember when Flea played one of the, his henchmen, by the way, in the, in the second one, when they go oh. to, into the future? Oh, and no. Flea is on one of the little hoverboard bullies. Oh, what? Um, which is strange. Um, yeah. So. For uh, someone with so much heroin in his system, he's been so productive about <laughs> his life. He's accomplished trumpet player, yeah. like world's most influential rock bassist, yeah. one of the most successful bands of the world. In a band with Johnny Depp at the same time. He's in a band with Johnny Depp at the same time. Um, you know. So we then come to no, well, the fourth. No, I wouldn't have oh, explained no, what happened. Oh, sorry, I got confused. The I got, teacher I gets. Got he gets. Upset by yeah. a kid at the back who yeah. is the focus. I mean, he's the focus because he's in the middle, 
um, and he's about four years older than everyone else in the classroom. Five pounds, what's his name? What's the character's name? Uh, is it Dylan? I don't know. I thought it might be Zach. <laughs> oh my god. I don't. He looks like a Zach. He does he? look like a Zach. But I is think Dylan he, thing? I think he looks like a Zach because I think he might have played a character called Zach in the OC. And maybe that's where um, I got Zach from. I, I, there's, the word Dylan is somewhere. The name okay. Dylan is somewhere, but I don't really know who it is. But that would be my guess because I know. I don't know any of their names. Tucker's the Tucker. Tucker's the one we're about to come to. I okay. remember that. Anyway, um, sorry. There's a teenager, Dylan. and he's let's got. Let's call him Dylan. He's got uh, curtains and you know Timmerman. hair. Tim, Timmerman. Timmerman again. Timmerman. You can call him Timmerman. Um, and he uh, snarkily comments, uh, "I think Newton can finish his own theory, or whatever it is." Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's Newton's theory, but not Newton's law. Not Newton's I'm law. like, well, no. what? Theory of gravity equation. That was it. Equation. I think he can finish his own equation. Okay. No, you're being pulled up to the board to write out the rest of the equation. Yeah. So Dylan sulkily walks up to the board, picks up the chalk, and turns part of himself bit by bit a little bit invisible. I have never seen a like a like a power transformation hero thing. Yeah. Done so slowly. <laughs> so it goes on slowly. for so long that oh my god, just turned invisible. And he's turned his finger in the and the other finger. <laughs> and if you listen closely, uh, Dunn's about to get out his five iron. And uh, I think that's an interesting choice. We're just going to go to Ken on the fourth green here. Just... And he's now turned his right knee invisible as well. It went on the forever. Whole film just stops and waits for him to turn invisible yep. for about five minutes and it's it's infuriatingly boring and and all the class are really kind of shocked and surprised but again they've had time yeah. to see it happen yeah. so they, they fully understand what's happened I, but I, they are surprised that it's happened I'm watching all those actors really struggle to know how to play that yeah. reaction because yeah. It's too long. It's too long yeah. to act shocked when you having to watch someone for five minutes painstakingly, very, very slowly I, turn invisible. I think they just didn't speed up the edit. I think that's how long it took for the editor to, <laughs> to slide CGI. across the Photoshop and the yeah. CGI. Because yeah. it isn't quite CGI. No, you're, no, you're right. Because it's not yeah. quite green skin. Yeah. It's, what, what do they call it when you transfer? It's like a transplant. It's like an image yeah. transplant. Yeah. So you film the same shot twice, exactly, yeah, 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 frame yeah. by frame, and then you frame by frame. And I think that's how long it took them to We're do it. We're just watching that in real time. Yeah. yeah, that... <laughs> yeah. So that happens, and yeah. uh, that's that. No one's that bothered. And then we go to a uh, younger boy, who, Tucker. Tucker, who is on a diving board, yeah. and he gets bullied, uh, and he gets called um, like a fat boy by yeah. some other boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh, he's about to break the diving board. Um, he's a little overweight. Yeah. And uh, so he, he jumps off. And then in the middle of air, he, he turns <laughs> into a... He... His, his bum expands. His bum His bum expands. His bottom expands. That's what happens. But, but also turns into a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. So you know we yeah. have, we've had... We've had Kate Mara... Uh, moving things with her brain, mm-hmm. so she 
but we don't really know what she did. I think she heated up the temperature she of heated it up, and she then made it explode. All the food from Hook when they have the yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. It's the food from Hook. Yeah, yeah. Um, she so that fine, but it wasn't like it, it was. There wasn't a problem with the effects there. Yeah, it kind of made sense. Yeah, we had Dylan with kind of bad effects, but yeah. they were effects. And then with this, with Tucker, they just drew a cartoon bum. And animated it over the top, like it, like so. So what happens is his superpower isn't expanding his own bum; it's turning parts of his body into cartoon versions of his own body, and then expanding them as a response to anger and feelings of of being bullied. Right, and but also, you, you might think, okay, well. The, They've had a lot of budget, but they obviously haven't spent a lot there. Which is weird, because then he dives into the pool, all the water drenches all of the extras from... It's like it's like that bit in Titanic when eventually all the water floods through and crashes through. Like, that's how much water... There. I think James Cameron directed this swimming pool scene. And then it pans out, and then the entirety of the pool is drained. I'm like, this is a weak shoot, and it cost yeah. you like tens of thousands for this one shot and then you got to the CGI and drew a cartoon bum yeah no wonder they spent 75 million dollars burning so, money so there is an important plot point uh, subplot it's not important at all uh, nothing in this film is important uh, there is a subplot in this film uh, about as you just rightly said Tucker's how how Tucker controls uh, creating the large cartoon parts of his body, right? And <laughs> yeah. then and then they work it out and they go, oh, it's whenever he gets angry, yeah. right? Now, the other three that mm-hmm. we meet in this montage, all all are triggered by anger as well. Yeah, but that doesn't seem to be important. Part of their relevant. journey. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, why mm-hmm. have you made all of them? Yeah. That, but then. The focus of that's only one of no, the four so, characters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because yeah. like, oh, that's quite interesting. If that's part of the whole like mythos of of the how these kids have use their powers is that, and, and then because of course then you've got the it's a uh, it's an allegory for puberty and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Deciding they... that only after showing all four of them being triggered by anger, frustration, and that's how their powers manifest. We're not. It doesn't matter for three of them. I tell you why. Mm. And and we're gonna get to this, but but we'll we'll go there now. If you say that's true, then you have to have Tim Allen and very other others characters purposefully being mean to all of the children. But that would be socially unacceptable. In the world of this film, yeah. it is socially acceptable to be mean to Tucker to provoke him because he is overweight and therefore asking to be bullied. And that is integral to not just the thought process of this character and what Tucker has to deal with, but the problematic nature with, that goes throughout the film of who it's okay to 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 hit as the mark and yeah. who it's okay to humiliate. Yeah. But that's why, because if they were mean to everyone, then they'd be like, "No, you can't be can't be mean to Kate Mara, can't be mean to Dylan, yeah. can't mean Dylan gets rewarded all the time." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kate Mara gets rewarded, especially when she falls into typical heterosexual female tropes. Yeah. Um, you know, 
the the princess is fine because she's rewarded for being a princess and having yeah. the ideals that a little girl should have in America today. God. Uh, Tucker is the only one that bucks convention by being overweight and is therefore punished by it, and it's socially acceptable. Oh my god. Oh, an awful like film. it's horrible, isn't it? What an awful It's horrible, film. but that yeah, is no, you're, you're right. right. You're right. Um. So yeah. So we meet all of those. Uh. Then, finally, we meet little Timmy Allen. Uh. At his auto shop. Uh. That he now works at. He's called Jack Shepard. Not called Captain Zoom anymore. He's given right. up that life. Uh. He's got some stubble. He's got some bit stubble. Overweight. Bit overweight, and he is using his fast finger. To make himself a little milkshake, yeah. Uh, in a kitchen, in a kitchen, it's a domestic kitchen. In a in a kitchen in a house, but it's not in a house. It's in an auto shop. So yeah. I don't know, like, but because that doesn't exist in the world, they've had to build. That's a step. They've they've had to build a fake domestic kitchen inside an auto shop. I, oh, I don't well, I don't know because it. it was an establishing shot of the auto shop outside. Yeah. Then there was a shot of him in a domestic kitchen. Yeah. And then he walked out of the kitchen and then it cut again to him yeah. walking out the door of an auto shop. So yeah. I think they didn't. <laughs> oh, I think they shot it on two locations <laughs> yeah, yeah, and okay. thought we wouldn't notice them knitting it together. <laughs> That's what I think happened. Excellent. Excellent. So he comes out with his milkshake. Your milkshake. Mild. Oh, my child. Um, he. Uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine there will be blood? But it's Tim Allen instead of Daniel Day Lewis. Well, can you imagine that film? I think it nearly was because obviously they were talking about are we blood when Daniel Day Lewis turns up <laughs> as one of the scientists <laughs> later on in this film. Like that's where that conversation would happen. I think yeah, I think it, it would have happened. I've abandoned my child, H.W. So, so, what are you doing? You look a bit gay. Like, I mean, that would essentially be the, the whole thing. Uh, so, he uh, notices uh, a woman in a green dress. Do you think, who's more um, right-wing? Uh, the oil baron who exploits his own uh, ASD child in There Will Be Blood, mm-hmm. or uh, Tim Allen. Allen in Life? Uh, Tim Allen. I think Tim Allen is more of a villain in real life than Daniel Day-Lewis is in that film. He sold drugs to kids and went to jail. Um, So uh, he, um, or little drug dealer Tim Allen, is looking uh, across the road and he sees a woman in a green dress uh, very weirdly and badly fake, having a, a faint from the 1920s. Uh, she kind of puts her dramatically puts her hand back of her head and does a little old-fashioned well, silent movie face. Yeah, but the reason she does that is because she because he shouts at her. Watch out for the car. Because she crosses the road and she's wearing big dark glasses yeah. and she's looking straight ahead and yeah. she walks out into traffic. Yeah. And the car beats and Tim Allen says, "Hey, watch out! You're getting hit by that car." Yeah. And then she does a 1914s fake. You're absolutely yeah. right. But I immediately went, oh, is she blind? <laughs> Which, you know, my bad for making yeah. an assumption. Yeah. But also that that would have kind of made sense. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not 100% sure that isn't what she was going for. <laughs> but then who knows? Yeah. yeah. So, so... He's like, well, come, you know, goes into the road, gets her, picks her up. We then see as the camera's closer, it's Courtney Cox. Um, and uh, takes her 
into the auto shop. Uh, but not th- into his ha- domestic kitchen. No. Round the, the back, round the back into, into the, the cabbage. Like, yeah, the, the sort of mechanics area. Um, and immediately afterwards, the car that he was warning her about is just behind them and pulls up and Chevy Chase and some of the army men get out and they're like, we need your help to come with us. And, and, and just before Chevy yeah. Chase and, and Riptor get out, uh, he says, oh, Courtney Honks, watch out for that oil. Mm. And then she slips on the oil. So yeah. she falls twice. Yeah. And then you're right, Chevy Chase gets out. Chevy Chase gets out and then... And I actually at this point paused the film because I wanted to check something with, with Callum, which was... I was ultimately right about, but I couldn't believe I was right about this because it makes absolutely no sense. Which is that it is then it's it's clear that that was a plan, but I don't know what the plan was. The that that her pretending to faint to get his attention to get her inside to buy time for the car to come with. It's like but just go any the car just can come anyway. Like it it's it is and and then of course play and comes up. No, maybe, but that doesn't really seem to make any sense. And then of course played it and she goes oh sorry for all the theatrics that was his idea and i'm like okay yeah so it was it was a fake it was a fake it was faint. a fake faint to but i don't know to what end i don't know why that was a plan to get him to i don't know what it did i don't what know what it, it did. did it achieved I, nothing it achieved nothing it achieved, it achieved absolutely, absolutely zero nothing it was very weird it was a weird yeah. lie to tell for no reason yeah and i'm also thinking that she not only pretended to faint but also pretended to be blind to get his attention. Yeah. Even though she was outside his house and could have yeah. knocked on his door. Like, yeah. I don't, what, yeah. what was well, it? He, was it to she, check that he would still is, want to do the right she is thing? completely unnecessary in this. I mean, it's the completely most woefully underwritten character she, in the world. Oh, oh in the, but, but in, in, in this scene, for this, for the purposes of this plan, yeah. Oh, yeah, they don't need her at all. He, Chevy Chase could have just driven up in the car as he did. No, he didn't. <laughs> the same thing, exactly the same thing could have happened. Yeah. So I don't know what the I don't know I don't know I don't know I want to know what the writer or writers thought, but also when they were writing that bit because but, it I'm ba- baffling, baffling. But you're right. But also remember, she she said sorry for all the theatrics back there. Yeah. Was she referring to the first faint or the second slip? Yeah. So here's a very uh, you know I mean, in fairness. Such underwritten. It's an incredibly complex character because <laughs> because oh, God. the character of Courtney Cox's character, who probably had a name, I don't know, I don't care, um, <laughs> is the character is at, she pretended to faint, yeah, but also is very clumsy naturally, yeah. Well, what happened to? At one point, not be naturally clumsy and pretend to be as a ruse, mm-hmm. but also it's you know there's layers. There's and then layers. for the rest of her life, she ended up being genuinely clumsy. Yeah, there's layers. She she doesn't know she her, she's lost track of what's real and what isn't. I mean, oh at this point, God. I you, just wrote sorry, a note. No, I just no, I know what. Happened. So she faked that fall. Yeah, the first one. She hit her head and she's got an aneurysm. That's why she keeps and she over can't ever stop falling. Yeah. And that's it's forever. Oh my God, that's medical dreadful. condition. I wrote, Courtney Cox, clumsy or not? Who knows? It's a mystery. (laughs)
But we sold it. Aneurysm. Yeah. Um, now, this whole... We finish off here the 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 montage of the... Um, yeah, there's a little bit back and forth of why you guys don't want to come. I'm done with all that. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, yeah. uh, you don't have uh, a choice because we're going to fire a sedative at you. Yeah. And so they fire... A dart. D- deliberately. It, they seem to deliberately fire a dart so it doesn't go directly into him. No. But... No. Oh, is he not? Chevy is Chase not? aims it. Courtney yep. Cox doesn't know it's a dart. And she says, no, don't shoot That's him. That's right, sorry. Pushes the yep. gun up. The gun goes off. Yeah. The the the, the, the dart. Yeah. Now, it's, remember, it's not a bullet. <laughs> it's, it's and a it, dart and it a isn't serum. a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Yeah. yeah, the film becomes a Hanna-Barbera cartoon later on with very specific markers for that. But yeah. at this moment, it's uh, a dart that flies up into the ce- ceiling. Yeah. Like the rafters of this auto yeah. shack. And bounces. And ricochets. And then stabs him in the heart. Yeah. How does the dart ricochet? I don't I've know. all about yeah. that. It's not a bullet. I mean, it doesn't. It's not a bullet. It, but it behaves like a bullet. But, uh, yeah, it behaves like a bullet. Yeah. Um, because what happens is that dart goes into that ceiling and breaks and yeah, smashes and bits of dark story. debris come down. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't bounce off the ceiling. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah, nonsense. I mean, I have had a dart bounce off a, a dartboard before. Yeah, but it's not even that kind of duck. It's, 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 a, it's a syringe. It's, it's like a little a, syringe It's a syringe that's, that's fired, fired out, out of a gun. Of so it's yeah. all like plastic case. Like it wouldn't... It's not bouncing off anything. Look, to be fair, look, I, I speak Greek, not geek. I don't... <laughs> I'm not okay with these science nerds. Uh, I wrote at the end of this montage. Yes, yeah, so you have that reluctant hero. Tim's taken away uh, to to be um, Tim and Zoom yeah. taken away to be used by the military and uh, yeah and Larrabee for what for why we don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, well, no. So he just knows that they're starting up the project again. Can you come and train these kids? Yeah, that's what he. That's the important thing to get out there. That's why he's going. Well, why he's being against his will yeah. brought to Area Fifty Two, uh, but he doesn't know why. Yeah, and uh, in a moment we're going to cut back to another scene uh, where they, where they you think they're going to explain more, but don't worry, they don't. Yeah. Um, but we finish this little montage uh, of of the heroes, yeah, uh, uh, with their powers in their daily lives, and. And what I I wrote here was big Umbrella Academy vibes. <laughs> yeah. Now many of you probably have heard of Umbrella Academy because it's yeah, a pretty pretty big show, pretty big successful series about like I don't know thirty forty episodes. Yeah. On Netflix, um, and some really kind of good performances. Um, this film, by the way, is on Netflix. If you do want to watch it. <laughs> oh God, I na- I almost want to unsubscribe. <laughs> Because I mean, like, I mean, I don't know what's worse, like mm. Chappelle or this. Like, it's <laughs> they both as controversial. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, Umbrella Academy, really interesting premise, and also has its roots in in uh, graphic novels and comics. Yeah, um, but it's a bit odd because it's it's a series. 
where some of the characters are hugely powerful and the and some of the other characters are just a bit more powerful than the average human but not yeah. necessarily stronger than normal humans without superpowers yeah. is it very like it's very like the guy who's a bit strong the guy, like, the guy who's, who's got a, bit... a gorilla torso but, uh, but also loses a bare knocking box or match <laughs> boxing match to an irishman the main power isn't the strength it's the fact he's got a gorilla torso <laughs> yeah, but... and like the strength is a byproduct of having the gorilla torso, rather than actually super strength being the power the power is just i'm a bit gorilla <laughs> Yeah, but the but he wasn't born a bit gorilla. Yeah. He was made a bit gorilla because he had his torso blown off when he was a boy. Yeah. So you get an origin story of that, and the origin story it's also that he's a bit strong. <laughs> so I'm like, he, he his power hasn't weakened. Yeah. And then got stronger with the gorilla. It's they've they've rebuilt him with the gorilla chest to be as mediocre as he was before. <laughs> The whole thing's very weird, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and then like another one can time travel across dimensions yeah. and might be the most powerful figure. Like he's kind of a, a, a he's a Manhattan in making, you know, yeah. in, in, in like Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. Um. So it's a bit like like the 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 the, the range of their abilities is is a bit kind of underwhelming. Um. And nevertheless, a lot of these ones that we've focused on and many more are brought to the unit at Area 52, yeah. along with Tim Allen, who wakes up uh, from his dart um, and they he says, what's going on? And they go, well, we're not going to tell you anymore. And we just told you yeah. the last scene. Yeah. So I'm like, why has this scene happened? She goes, well, we want you to train these kids and work out which ones can join the team and help build the team because you're an ex-superhero and, yeah. you know, you know your stuff. Um and he's like, oh, I don't think I should do that. I still don't want to do it. Yeah. And she's like, well, we're going to pay you $500,000. Yeah. And he goes, and well, you should have said that first. should have yeah. said that first and you wouldn't yeah. have to tranquilize me. I'm like, well, you didn't have to tranquilize you anyway. Yeah. That was the whole reason why Courtney Cox <laughs> yeah. tried to stop the bullet. And we had the whole ricochet thing that was then confusing yeah. that didn't, none of this needed to happen. No. You could have just talked to each yeah. other like humans. Yeah. And like, if you're watching this as a child, you'd be like, God, this is... Yeah. Like, if you think, as a child, this is how adults communicate, mm-hmm. then you've got massive attachment theory issues. Yeah. Like, you you are going to become the parent of your own adult. There was a point about halfway through this film where I suddenly went, God, I'm so sad for all the children that could have grown up more intelligent, but they watched this film as a child, and as a result are stupider than they would have been had they not watched this film. That's how yeah, bad this film that is. That is. It's I think it's actively destructive. Actively destructive yeah. development. You could do a study on that, couldn't you? You could, yeah. In the sixties at Harvard they would have done. They would have done they would have shown a yeah. hundred kids a film <laughs> this bad and then come back years later yeah. and been like, Oh yeah, sorry, you know why you became a mass murderer? It was because we showed Zoom. you Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. My next note is um, is is about Dylan, because but but before that we have a montage, don't we? Yeah. So there's another montage. Uh, I think it's two or three uh, so far in the film, and uh, it's basically. I think this is th- three. Yeah. I think it's basically like oh, they're trying to do like an X Factor uh, pop idol like. Yeah. Uh, they so audition mid noughties yeah. yeah. So there's an audition plan. They're auditioning all the. It's a montage of all these different kids that have powers. It's important to note here that a lot more kids 
at this stage get accepted into this academy than we ever see again yeah because it makes it very clear after this scene that there are only four four children that were approved yeah. but there were way more that were approved during this scene so i don't yeah. know what happened to all those other kids no um but there are loads there are loads of kids and they've all got stupid funny and funny bogeys i can make big bogeys and all that and i can just, make a big fart i can make a oh yeah i forgot that one what yeah does he had a fart <laughs> Uh, funny yeah but i mean it like i disappointing because like when eddie murphy does those kind of stuff like did or at that time mm. was you'd go oh well this is very banal and silly and childish even if you are a child yeah but you can also go i appreciate why people are finding that funny like i you know will go with toilet humor as much as the next person if it's done well yeah. But this is just bad. It's just badly done. Yeah. They've just thought, again, it's just what people just, it's, it's making it political. What stupid people, what I was going to say, what the right wing don't get about comedy yeah. is that they miss the point of the joke. They always remember the bit that mm-hmm. isn't the bit that makes it funny. Yeah. And they forget the ingredients of the structure, the reason why people are laughing. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's like that person who doesn't, who, who re- repeats the the other joke like repeats what the person who got a laugh at a party said yeah and they go the, the context yeah the, you different. need the context yeah, and yeah, the timing yeah, yeah. is important you can't just yeah. say the same thing all night and yeah. be like oh oh we go yeah oh idiots yeah. that's what this film is all the time yeah um it's also important to note that he uh he being tim allen jack shepherd captain zoom is uh awful awful to every single child it's terrible oh. uh insults them all insults all of them uh calls the names calls them, calls them names especially tucker just talks about his weight constantly uh he's a child 12 year old child and you're a 50 year old man yeah and you're you're bullying it a child like it's so oh it's horrible, horrible. um anyway yeah so that that happens uh and and so you get what you think is going to be a larger group of people that it ends up being but for the rest of the film none of those other people matter in the montage and we just focus on the four that we'd already met earlier on rendering the montage useless useless to any of us don't need doesn't need to be that completely um, unnecessary so yes and then my next note here yeah, is uh yeah. we 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 meet um well they, we watch dylan and kate meet each other yeah so, so I've just, <laughs> what note have you got uh i've just written um we learn that consent is not important. I've written toxic masculinity, invisible boy. <laughs> We're on the same page here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's blatant. Yeah. So he, so she's like that. He's trying, Dylan's trying to he flirt sits with down Kate at her table yeah. and sits and looks uh, at Summer. Him. Summer's her character. Uh, <laughs> and is he called Miles? I think he's called Miles. Not <laughs> that Dylan. is new to me. I think he might be called Miles. Yeah, no. Miles Dylan. Miles Dylan. Miles <laughs> Dylan. Miles Davis. Uh, and uh, he, she is obviously very annoyed by this man and doesn't want him anywhere near her. And uh, he's trying to be kind of banterously flirty with her, and he she's absolutely shutting it down. And eventually, it's like um can you stop hitting on me please and he goes nope i can't sorry, do that can't do that and here we're like okay that's that's not okay that's, that's not good yeah that's well, not good let's stop teaching these children because this is a children's film <laughs> this kind of crap 
please. Oh my god, 2006. Dreadful. Utterly dreadful. Um, we then have a lesson where Courtney Cox uh, sits down in like the classroom bit um, and she explains to them the history of Zoom and who Zoom is because yeah. they are a bit unimpressed with him. Quite rightly, because he's just a horrible bully. Uh, no, it was at this point uh, I wrote a note that isn't actually about really anything that was happening. It was just the first time I had this thought, which is what have their parents been told about their whereabouts? We don't because know. Because we still don't know At yet, this do point, we? we've got no idea there, what, who knows what. There is a mention later on where they go, oh, when my parents dropped me off. But like, it's never really just... We do learn eventually, I think, that the parents... Consented to Consented to that, that, yeah, they were. I think the idea from that first montage is meant to be that the parents look a bit exasperate. Like the parent, when we see um, Princess's parents and things like that, I think they're meant to be like, oh, we don't know what to do with these kids anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so there's been a call out so that they've, yeah, they've been dropped off by their parents to this special academy because they've got special powers. But it's so not mentioned. Which is weird, but it's also weird because the kids don't seem that bothered. And I'm like, what? Like, don't just like just go back. storytelling. Like, just, just explain the lines here and there. Yeah, like Doesn't I don't know why they're here. Um, and, and I don't and know if they know why it. they're here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So they're all just kind of stranded, and they're a bit confused, and they're uh, uh, presumably, and they're a bit annoyed with Tim Allen's character for being mean to them yeah. and not helping them. In any way, and that's what he has agreed to do for five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, but then keeps pretending that he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. So you, so the idea is that you're setting up for a reluctant hero who's mm. going to come useful in the end, yeah. right? Um, very, very kind of standard hero's journey trope. But he, so, so, so Courtney Cox says, "No, I know he's a hero." Here, here are some examples, and she gives them uh, copies of. Um, of the comic books first editions of zoom um and they're like wait are you telling me that this is all real and she went yeah a hundred percent of it every single bit uh, and she makes a point of being like all of it Mm -hmm. is a historical record of like zoom's legacy yeah he was so fast because that's his superpower is speed yeah um he was he was faster than both superman and the flash put together i'm like oh okay so the comic books of zoom are real yeah. it suggests to me that also the comic books and quicksilver as well was the oh and one. quicksilver as well yeah. is that cross dc and marvel uh so the flash is dc quicksilver and uh, uh sorry superman and the Super- flash are both dc quicksilver's marvel quicksilver's the marvel version of the flash really he's right. um uh what's the face's brother um yeah yeah scarlet witch's brother um but I mean, it's not a massive deal, but it's interesting in terms of uh, there's a question mark over world building for me here. Right. In terms of is Superman and the Flash and Quicksilver also real? Because the way that scene set it up to me mm-hmm. suggested that you all grew up thinking comic books were fake, even though you're aware of your own superpowers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to convince you mm-hmm. that superpowers are real, mm-hmm. and here's the evidence 
here's a comic book mm-hmm. that you've also read mm-hmm. that you already know that didn't convince you the first time. But to convince you, I'm going to tell you, he was faster than Superman and Quicksilver and Flash combined. And it just made me think that... that my, and I made a, an assumption I could well be wrong about that Superman, Quicksilver and the Flash also are real because Courtney Cox is doubling down on the fact that these comic books are 100% mm-hmm. a historical record of uh, of the Zoom's legacy as a yeah. superhero. I I don't think so. I don't think it's a shared universe. I think... Which is great. I Yeah, I think... I think it's this... We made the records as a comic so that people didn't know that it was real so we like hid the records in plain sight as a comic book so people would think it was zoom was just a comic book hero like all the other comic book heroes but actually this one's real that's what i think which i think is fine yeah i just don't think it was made clear and i think also about four scenes five scenes later I'm going to ask the question again. What world are we living in in terms of the general public's knowledge and relationship of superheroes? We're, like, at this point, you should absolutely not be expecting anything to be made. Because we've also had a montage of, like, 40 children who presumably responded to a public call-out. Yeah. So that all of those parents are aware. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that, that yeah. superheroes exist. And also yeah. the hundreds of people who have been witness to all yeah. the miracles that and have happened again, exist. And again, the slow invisibility, the reactions were shock. But it was more like, oh, I didn't know Dylan had a power. Not like I didn't know powers didn't yeah, exist. Exactly. So yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, it It's is, really it confusing is, it is to confusing me. It's confusing what, what world we live in. And also the efficacy of these uh, uh, comics as 100% historical, is also completely debunked by Tim Allen's character yeah. towards the end of the film, where yeah. he says, actually, most of it is real work. Quite a yeah. lot of it was made up. And I'm yeah. like, well, well, the person in charge of this. The second thing to mention is that we keep referring to Area 52, not, yeah. not Area 51. Yeah. World famous Roswell yeah. conspiracy, aliens, UFOs, Area 51. Mm-hmm. This is Area 52. So it's a kind of play on that. Yeah. All of those characters are fully aware of what Area 52 is. It's common knowledge in the world that we live in yeah. that Area 52 exists. Yeah. So presumably... <laughs> yeah, which, why? why they then? all know what it, ex- what, what it does and why it's there. So, is it... Is it... They're like, I can't believe we're here wait, at Area 52. Wait, wait. Is, is it... So, I made the assumption... That they made it Area 52 because... <laughs> Area 51 is copyright by the, the American because, government. Because, no, because I made the assumption that it's Area 52 because they were wanting to be like, it's even more secret than Area 51. It's yeah. Area 52, right? Yeah. As you rightly say, no one seems to be that bothered about <laughs> no, it. Everyone all... seems to be aware <laughs> yeah. of it. So therefore, have they made up Area 52 to be... A less because Area 51 would be too secretive if they use that. So they've made up Area 52 to be to lower the stakes of where they are rather than to raise them. <laughs> yeah. Which is bonkers. Yeah, I think you're right. But of course that would be impossible. Because yeah. for that to work, you'd have to not be aware that there was an Area 51. <laughs> it's it's like making Greece 2 to cover up the fact that Greece 1 was ever made. <laughs> like that. If you don't write a sequel to try yeah. and make a whole nation forget about the yeah. original. 
Yeah. Like you can't. Like that would be that would not make sense. Yeah. And also the it nature of weird. what Area Fifty Two is yeah. has a lot of crossover with what Area Fifty One is famously <laughs> yeah. known for, yeah. which we'll come to. <laughs> oh my goodness! So okay, we're getting there. Yeah. Um, we we. <sighs> We have a scene now where Tim Allen comes into the classroom. Yeah. And I have uh, uh, another contender, contender number two for best line of the film. Um, I believe it's where he has a chat with Kate Mara. Uh, or is that with Dylan and Miles as well? Is it after their... Uh, are you referring to the pretty girls? Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, so uh, that is to, that's to Princess. That's to the little girl. Oh, you're right, but it is in the classroom. Yeah. So, I mean, we're in the right yeah. place. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, yeah, so he comes in and he does some, like, he's meant to do a pep talk, but instead he's like, still, oh, no, I, I think you're all useless and rubbish yeah. and you shouldn't join this anyway. And it's all a bit of a sham. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, for a princess who's the young, who's the youngest six-year-old yeah. six girl is wearing... Um, like a like the dancing round in like this kind of flowery dress, and he uh, says, "What are you wearing?" Says, that "What are you wearing?" Yeah, and she says, "I want to be pretty," and he says, "Yeah, pretty girls never have any real friends, and never get any respect." Mm-hmm. 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 And mm-hmm. you know what? <laughs> I <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a theory here. Right. That Tim Allen. Yeah. Is it an asshole? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> just... No, but I think... It... Yeah, I, I do think that. But I think his intention is to be... I think he thinks he's being feminist here. I know he does. I think it he just... thinks he's being a feminist. I think he thinks he's being right on by saying, you don't want to be a pretty girl. Like, you shouldn't, you know, value yourself based on based looks. Based on look, yeah. i tell you yeah. why. Because if you're good looking, yeah. you don't get any real friends. Yeah, you don't get any real respect. respect. Because actually, all popular girls at school are whores. Like, yeah. okay, oh yeah. wow, you're yeah. an incel. You're, yeah. You yeah. think you're being a feminist, but actually, you you send dick pics to a Kim Kardashian online 12 times a day. It's just, it's, it's Buzz Lightyear, man. I just, it's so depressing. It's Buzz Lightyear <laughs> who joined the Proud Boys. It's, yeah. That's what it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's just like... So many, so many good... And home improvement... So many lovely memories of Tim Allen from my childhood, and I watch oh, this yeah. film and I go, "You're, you're awful, you're awful, dreadful, yeah, dreadful." Um, so that and so... remember what we said at the beginning. He did a lot of writing on the early draft of this, so you know a lot of these lines are from him. Oh yeah, and also I'm sure a few tried out on set in a moment oh, yeah. as well. Um, then he turns to Tucker, uh, and he says to Tucker. Uh, you know what's going on with you? He's like, I don't know, and he refers to Tucker mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a lazy little chubba bubba. Yep. And I, at this point, I'm just like, I'm getting really just upset on <laughs> really Tucker's upsetting. behalf. It's really horrible to watch. Like once again, my note from earlier. It's strange how much a kids' film delights in bullying yeah it, it's it's relentless it's relentless throughout the whole film it did something to me as well which it was quite kind of nostalgic in a, in a in not in a no, that's not the right word it <laughs> triggering um, <laughs> <that's what I> 
That's what I mean. Um, <laughs> he, Yeah. I sometimes get confused. <laughs> yeah. with, uh, slightly different. With, it's slightly with that different. whimsical nostalgia. Yeah. And uh and, and trauma. trauma. Yeah, um good. but you know, like I've before I was bullied quite a lot in school and mm-hmm. and there's an element of when you when you've been bullied and you're watching someone else get bullied, there's there's the oh that's awful and I empathize with you. But also if that the person being bullied holds it together. Mm. Part of me instinctively wants to go. Uh, I never say this, but you kind of say it in your head, like, oh, "Well done for not mm. let, not crying or not letting them get to you." And and I was there watching Tucker at this point, mm. being like, "Oh, well, fucking hell, man! You're like, yeah, this is hard. He's riding you. Yeah, it's humiliating for no reason. For, for, for no, no reason. reason. He's also." I don't know. He's not. Been, he's not been lazy. He's not. You've barely seen him or met him or known him. He's a lazy little chubba bubba. He's having it riding you for your weight, and I'm going like, well done. And at the same time, I'm going, no, I shouldn't be rewarding that. Mm. What I should be th- doing is going. Don't stand for that, Tucker. You absolutely yeah. can leave whatever yeah. you want. Don't just because this man has authority. Absolutely, don't put up with this. Yeah, this is not the way the world works. But I'm so conditioned as a product of this generation. Mm. I'm going, well, I'm keeping it together, mate. And I just think I should not be watching this yeah. film having that conversation. Having that conversation. Yeah. If I'm yeah. having that conversation, then this film needs to be destroyed, <laughs> not taken on Netflix. Like, how horrendous is that? It's aimed at kids. Yeah. All right, I've, got, I've worked through my shit. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so then they... Um, kind of the film just sort of goes on uh, and we still don't really know what's happening uh, in terms of what they're being told and not told it's very unclear but but they're being kept in the dark about uh, why they're there why they're there and the whole thing of concussion being on his way every Mm -hmm. now and then we'll go back to uh, the kind of the war room the military base where they're charting uh the arrival um, the arrival of concussion which is also confusing because it says two days and then what seems like weeks go by and then they say it's 48 hours and i'm like well no it's nonsense it just it does matter no continuity it does matter because yeah um then so so chevy chase comes out of the uh war room at one point and actually meets uh, all the team and he's really nice actually yeah he's like he's, he's not very useful he doesn't stand no. up for them but yes. he's like really friendly and he's like trying to be down with the kids and like what do you need how can I help yeah he's, he's absolutely fine Um, anyway so they start to bond a little bit and then uh, Tim Allen is like guys let's go and have a look at this UFO that we apparently have here yeah um, I, there's the before we get to the UFO, mm. I can't ignore this note. Chevy Chase and Kate Mara. Yeah. Sexual oh, tension. Yeah, sorry. I completely forgot about that. And that there's a bit whole... that you're going to want to talk about in a minute. And I've got contender number uh, three yeah, I did. for yeah. Best Line, which is you're, you're going to okay. love. Yeah. So, you, so there's this scene where where Chevy Chase introduces uh, the line, them. The line is, if the line is the same as line, I think it is, that's when they're inside the UFO. 
Uh, oh yeah, that comes that yeah. comes slightly after. Yeah. So the first one is Chevy Chase introducing them to the the little robot. Am I in the right place? Yeah. This happens yep. just before Mr. the UFO. Mr. Pib. Mr. Pib. Pib. Mr. Pib. Mr. Pib. Mr. Pib. Who is like, um, I think he's kind of meant to be like a little R2-D2. Yeah. You yeah. know. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, they forget to, <laughs> to develop that character. Yeah. Um, and there's a moment where where he says to her, uh, this is, again, another another line, actually. I can't. You, you, uh, did you write this line down? I can't remember it exactly. <laughs> But there's this moment of sexual tension between oh, Chevy Chase, he's, who's an right, old man, okay, and yeah, Kate Amara, no, who's right. 17, yeah. and she says... So, no, no, oh. no, no, so he's, so yes, so so they're talking about her ability, as I mentioned earlier on, which is not the ability <laughs> yeah. that we've seen, Yeah. but, because as I remember, the ability we've seen is Matilda, but every time they talk about her ability, it's that she can touch things and, like, read understand the what thoughts they are. or understand yeah. what they are on their makeup, and so... So she's touching Mr. Pib to try and read its thoughts. Yeah. And Chevy Chase goes, "That what stupid! Don't do that. It's fifteen. It's a fifteen megabyte basic piece of machinery. You can't. It doesn't have thoughts." Yeah. And uh, really, uh, really, Mara? No, the other one. Well, Kate Mara. Well, they are both called Rudy Mara. They're called Rudy Mara, which is confusing. Patricia Rudy Mara mm-hmm. is the one is, known is as Rudy Mara, Mara. And, and Kate, Kate Rudy Mara, Mara is, is known as Kate Mara. Kate Mara. Uh, very true. Um, Kate Mara uh, says, uh, well, are you telling me you've never wondered what it might be like to be a figure skater? I'm like, why is that? That's not the, that's not what he's, what? What? But, but he's, that's not going, it's not that's relevant not to what thing. he said, but it's also the suggestion that you've put your hands on a figure skater to understand them. Which means that you're making some kind of sexualized <laughs> comment, or you're saying you're just ugly because you're you're jealous because you're too ugly to put your hands and no. therefore understand a figure skater or be a figure skater. No, no, I think I think what she's saying is if humans are that aren't figure, if a scientist is able to imagine being a figure skater then a 15 megabyte computer is able to imagine being able to have thoughts that's the point that she's trying which is absolute bilge it's absolutely bilge is absolutely rubbish what does it mean it's, it's absolute nonsense. nonsense but also and we are moving on now it does it does further confuse it muddies the waters further about what Kate Mara's ability is <laughs> yeah yeah because I now because yeah. yeah. she, she clearly she doesn't understand yeah what's going yeah. on either right um and the most intelligent scientist in in presumably America at this time yeah. also can't follow it no. so it's just it's no. great um and then you're right Tim takes them on a little road trip yeah they go on a little road trip uh into this UFO that Tim Allen explains is from the 1940s yeah that's important uh and they're all up inside the ufo and uh they're kind of going but they're going quite slowly and one of them i think it's tucker says you know i can't this thing go any faster and tim allen like laughs and he's like well we don't know we've never really been able to figure out how it works and then kate mara says this in fact in fact i wouldn't be surprised 
um, if they were helped by the ghost of Arthur Miller to craft this line. It is one of the most profound, beautiful. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's no. Do you know what? It's the great American novel, but as a sentence. That's it's ever. It contains multitudes, and. Uh, all of history and culture I, I and know. love and life is and what she says is maybe there's less to figure out than there is to understand what maybe there's less to figure out than there is to understand so Hi, welcome to Acid Horizon. We're going to be looking at the phenomenology of Hegel uh, through a Marxist lens, as always. Thinking about this quote for you now, um, if you're interested, you can look in the show notes a little bit more. I think Mark wrote a paper on this. Um, The sentence is, uh, maybe there's less to figure out than there is to understand like what does that even mean i i think you're right i think it could be genius and we're just not really capable of Maybe. of getting beyond Maybe. it there's less it's a very good ira glass by the way it was yeah, yeah good, 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 unintentional yeah. but it is that vibe yeah it is that yeah um less to figure out than there is to understand there's less to... is was the line originally maybe it's less about figuring out and more about understanding can like you, is it is it can you tell what's the difference between uh figuring out and understanding when you uh, i um i is think it... i think understanding it is like from you already know it's like, figuring out it's like you have to work through it i feel like i feel i emotionally mm. understand I think that's her thing, right? If she can touch it... She can touch... She doesn't... Uh, she can understand how it feels, even if she doesn't know how something works. Right. So I think she's saying, stop using your, like, masculine brain to, in terms of, like, the, the tropes of, of men trying to work out the codes of things. And if you understood the feel of it and you intuitively used your thing, like I can then you'd understand it intuitively. I think it's about intuition over... But the main important thing is it grammatically, uh, philosophically, um, is bollocks. Yeah. I mean, I think even Kay Tempest would look at that and go, (laughs) not not even a northern accent's going to save that one. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Don't want to throw so much shade at uh, Kay Tempest. But you know what I mean. I know what you mean. So they decided fucking thing to go really, on. UFO really pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, it's it, so it's I wish so you could see Callum's me. face right now. He is incandescent with rage at this UFO. So they decide to take the UFO to a drive-in to take out fast food restaurant. Uh, Wendy's. Oh, it's a Wendy's. It is a Wendy's. Specifically a Wendy's. Yes. Probably a bit of product placement money there. I um, should imagine so. Yeah, there's another bit later on that I want to point out. Yeah. There are like two big product placements. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Area 51 was copyright. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't have. But, you know, Wendy's and Smash Mouth. Um, so 
they go up, uh, no, and there, no, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about the scene. It's really annoying. So they, they kind of crash land there's around yeah, what there's... looks like the Nevada desert, oh, which would make sense because that's that. where Area 51 is. I found the, their lack. So what they decided to do was show a really realistic, like, footage of what it would really be like to try and negotiate a flying saucer shaped vehicle into and, and around drive drive through. Through. but so consequently it takes like an hour of the film for them yeah. to be maneuver and i'm like oh my god this, is, so this isn't even part of the plot of the film this is just a bit this but, is just a comedy side bit and they, for no reason. They knock over, they crash into like cars, they yeah. knock over like one of the yeah. barriers. Yeah. It, there's carnage everywhere, yeah. but no one bats an eyelid. No one No cares. traffic stops, it's broad daylight. They're, yeah. They're having a really long conversation about what they want to order, which is I found really stressful They're and about annoying. Five more uh quote unquote fat jokes. Oh yeah, no, because thrown at guys, Tucker. guys because Tucker's Tucker's a little fat boy, isn't he? Tucker's a little fat boy that needs to be bullied. Like what? So we all spend Why does spend this time film, uh, just constantly fat shame this poor twelve year old boy? There's a bit where there's a bit where he, the UFO beams up a live cow. <laughs> And the joke is that it was because Tucker's hungry. That's why they go to the fast food restaurant. Because Tucker is such a little fat boy that he will eat a live (laughs) cow. A whole live cow. Like, what are you talking about? Is he turning this person into a monster? Like an an orc. It's like... is horrendous. So they go to this drive-through, and of course they crash into everything, knock over buildings. Like, it's broad daylight. Tucker, no one responds. You're not in the best shape of your life in this film. I, I like, watch the... Shut up. I mean, also Tucker's not even. He's a child. He's that's a growing. Chubby child. And he's obviously yeah. going through, you know, going through his growing stages, and it's fine. He's just a kid. Yeah. He's just a normal, a bit overweight, but kind of relatively normal-sized child for that age and it's, it's very like, odd yeah and it's yeah well, i don't know why they're bullying this poor boy constantly throughout all this film and then soon it gets weirder with him but yeah but um, i want to establish one more thing yeah all of this is happening with the drive-through they're yeah. knocking shit over yeah they go to the drive no one bats nine no yeah. traffic stops yeah and the police don't get involved it's broad daylight this is like yeah. another day in nevada guys it's yeah. absolutely fine the the drive-through guy is totally ignoring the fact that they're in a spaceship yeah yeah. he is just annoyed that they're all talking at once yeah and that tucker is ordering multiple things because as you've said they're they're going through this so there's no acknowledgement of the fact that it's a flying saucer except for when the flying saucer eventually goes away there's a throwaway line by i think i think the worst actor in the world Who says longingly to himself, take me with you. Yeah. Because he doesn't like his job working at Wendy's. And yeah. why would you? Because all service staff are, are all like, oh, what a shit life. Yeah. Like, it's just, again, yeah. it's like, yeah. it's like, why have you got these characters being complicit in their own self-hatred? Yeah. It's a child's film. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Every message in this film is is wrong. Do you want to know wrong. why Every... working in the service industry is is tough? Uh, quite a lot to do with the Bush administration. 
you know, we're talking, we're talking about like the history of Republican politics when it comes to the minimum wage yeah. and lack thereof. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, it, very weird thing. Um, so just to be clear, my notes were: Is it weird that there's a flying saucer or not? What world are we in? Yeah. Well, we're about to find out because the flying saucer's on its way back to base, yeah. Area Fifty Two, and we get a little cut-in shots yeah. of the entire news station yeah. coming down to the fast food restaurant yeah. being like, and oh my god! Like, dozens and dozens and dozens of people suddenly out on the streets talk, trying to get into the news, talking about this flying saucer. I'm like, we didn't care a minute ago. And they're interviewing the fast food guy who yeah. served them, who said, yeah. take me with you. I'm like, yeah. what was it like? And he was like, wow, it was weird. It was just like the type of thing you would see in the movies. Like, yeah. a flying saucer. I'm like, but they didn't react like that at the time. Why were is, you not yeah. bothered? You, there was no yeah. fear. There was no acknowledgement that it was... Uh, what I don't understand the world we're in. No. It's exactly the same situation as as before. Like, is is everyone aware that we yeah. live in a world of superheroes? Yeah. Like yeah. in Gotham, everyone knows who Batman is. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's yeah. not a. Uh, it's fine. Just tell us what the convention yeah. is, and we'll yeah. go with it. Yeah. But you don't know. But we return back to base, back and to base. a very annoyed Courtney Cox yeah. marches up to Timothy Allen. <laughs> yeah, Courtney Cox is not happy. Uh, and she says, you can't just go off gallivanting around in a UFO. <gasps> and he says, he says, gallivanting. Obviously, the UFO isn't the only thing from the 1950s. And she says, oh, you're nearly 50. I mean, I like, just, what? I just don't. What? Uh, we, at this what? point, we had to pause it and just quietly three, three, explode. You're, you're, you're probably 50. Not nearly fifty. You're you're probably fifty. He didn't. He said nineteen fifties. Didn't say anything about fi- the joke, Courtney. Is that you said the word gallivanting, and he's saying that's an old-fashioned word, uh, as old as the UFO, which is now ten years younger than it was in the previous scene. Because you podcast listeners can remember. Mm. Even though it's longer ago in the podcast <laughs> than it yeah. was in the film. Yeah. Yeah. You can remember when the, the UFO is from. I'm just going to give you a moment of silence to remember. Just think for a second. When when was the UFO fixed up by Tim Allen? When? Yeah, hold well on. You remember, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. It was the 1940s. It's yeah. quite easy. It's quite easy to remember that. Yeah. In the <laughs> it wasn't yeah. that complicated? No. It was the no. 1940s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the UFO that we fixed up in the 1940s. Yeah. 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 Fine. Yeah. But they've forgotten it. Yeah. They've Yeah. The people who make yeah. the film and are in yeah. the film and have written the film and are saying the words in the film and the people behind the camera on the film and the, and the script editor whose job it is to make sure that's right and the continuity editor whose job it is to work with the script editor yeah. and the DOP and the person on the lights and the maker. Like th- thousands of people will be involved in the making of this film at some point. £75 million. Pounds. Mm-hmm. None of those pow- dollars, sorry. Mm-hmm. None of those dollars noticed. <laughs> no one noticed. No, no. That's insane. No. Also, what's that, that, what's that, what's the structure? What of this is joke? that sentence? What's the structure of this joke? Get, you can't go gallivanting around. Gallivanting. Obviously, UFO is not the only thing from the fifties. So the you words old-fashioned. Yeah. You must be fifty. <laughs> why have they? Why have they written her? Because obviously, like, well, I say obviously, I'm assuming 
that that's deliberate that she's missed the point of the joke he's trying to make or have they missed the point of their own joke they're trying to make and they forgot the joke they were trying to make in the midst of writing one line to the next line i i um, well, 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 let's think about the maths there. There might be another way out. There might be another out. Mm. God, it's like being a magician. You've got to have mm. multiple outs. Yeah. Uh, is, is it that Courtney Cox is saying, if you were born in the 50s, in 2006, you would be in your 50s? Yeah. Because she, if you were born still... in 1959... In 2006, yeah. how old would you be? Uh, well, you'd be... 69, 79, 80, 89, 99, 2006. So, yeah, so 47. 47, yeah. So, 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 so maybe she's referring born to being born in 56. Yeah, 56, then you'd yeah. be 50, yeah. Yeah, and Tim Allen's born in 53. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Not, uh... Not far off. Is 50... But is, it's nothing to... But the point was the old-fashioned word. The point, he wasn't making a dig at her age. And I don't know why she thought he was. No, I'm trying to work out how that would logically work if she thought that oh, he right. was. Yeah. But if that doesn't make sense, then why would she say any of that? Yeah. But I've tried. But no. I, no, no, I don't know what it is. No. Uh, and also, yeah, he is in his 50s and you're in your 40s. Yeah. Like... That's not old. Also, you're an expert in Zoom. You just did a lesson saying that these are all your first edition comics of, of his historical life. You know exactly yep. when he was born. You know yep. exactly how old he is. Yep. Even though it's not been stated in the film, you're the only character probably who knows everything there is to know about him. Yeah. And what's wrong with being 50? Yeah. Why are we even in the... I don't know. The whole no. None of it makes sense. There was the other thing of, oh, oh, yeah. I, he was saying you, you're the only thing stuck in the fit, and I think there was a reason for her to be offended, mm-hmm. which is, uh, are you suggesting? I would be offended if you said that I was in the fifth, like acting like I was in the fifties, because as a woman scientist, I'm clearly progressive and a feminist, not someone who would believe in the fifties housewife role. Uh, don't accuse me of eternalizing my own oppression as a woman. Yeah. Don't. Don't. Like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think that's So it. as a result, I'm going to turn around and call you old. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's great, but that's not what happened. Well, so. all right. <laughs> hey. But no, no, I appreciate the effort. Um, but, yeah. I wrote for this one. Um, yeah. Uh, 50s conversation masterpiece. That was all my name. <laughs> Sorry, masterpiece. So, obviously, it's been a little bit of time since we've had a montage. Yeah. So, <laughs> number five. Uh, we're on to the next montage, which is uh, a montage of them training. And remember, we still, well, we know why, but they still have no idea what they're being put through their paces for. I- including Tim Allen. The person training them. Yeah, including no idea. No clue. None of them have any idea, and we are over three quarters of the way through this film now, Mm -hmm. and still none of them have any idea why they're there or why they're doing this. But but weirdly, don't reference that as much as they probably should. Like they are so fine with being in the dark that like they just go, okay, guess this is what we do every day now is go and do training for this thing. Like you're absolutely right. Which like that's really clear. That they are in no way bothered. Yeah. There's no time limit because no. they don't 
know why they're well, there or what they're doing. Well, it seems to be statically two days yeah. forever so, that he's away. But we're yeah. in no rush. And the tr- the, the montage, this, this is, yeah, montage number five, is 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 quite relaxed. Quite a lot of smiling and laughing yeah. and oh, a bit of frustration here and there. But, you know. Yeah. Isn't it? So why... So why, why did they choose the song that they used right. for this? So, yeah. So, guys, so the song that's underscoring this montage is, uh, of course, very famous uh, song. It's uh, Under Pressure, uh, of course, made famous by Queen and David Bowie. Now, no, it's Zoom, isn't it? So it's not sung by Queen and David Bowie. It is, of course, sung by the wonderful Smash Mouth. Now, now I, I think you... Brian May is his, it's his favorite cover of it. Actually, he said that the Smash Mouth version is the is the ultimate. Now, I want you just folks, just for a second, just sit back and have a little think in your mind about what a Smash Mouth cover of Under Pressure would sound like. Okay, yeah, got that. Right, it's not that. It's not that at all. <laughs> it's, no, it's not remotely that. Um, it's them trying to pretend that they're not Smash Mouth, which is such a weird thing to do. Like, you've made the decision to make this cover of this very iconic song, and you are yourselves a band that have a very unique pop-punk style. So why have you made the decision to do the cover and try as much as possible to sound like queen and david bowie so we might not notice that you're not them it's the weird it's yeah it's so weird and also like i'm not just kind of beating up on smash mouth i quite like smash mouth like they've got lots of things for me they're good at what they do they they do a thing and that's what they do but it certainly isn't this so you've got them trying to kind of maybe pay respects or like pay homage to queen and david bowie is like okay we're gonna try and do it like they did it but also they just quite missed the mark like he gets the scansion of the lyrics kind of just slightly wrong and and uh, and they play it noticeably faster but not fast enough to change the feel of the song it's just a bit fast yeah it's like if you were if you were you know producing that you'd be like do it again guys just a little bit slower a little bit slower yeah and it would be exactly what it is but they're just playing a little bit fast and a little bit wrong Mm -hmm. and the singing the scansion of the lyrics a little bit wrong (laughs) yeah it's a really weird thing but also so not only is that weird but also it's the song under pressure which is famously used yeah to help (laughs) uh, uh, illustrate moments of great tension and pressure yeah, but we but they don't know that there's any stakes because they've not been told what they're doing or why they're there. No, it's like it would be like playing under pressure and then having montages of like women falling in flowers with fe- in fields. Yeah. Like yeah. it's <laughs> you know it's also as I said to you, it's it's really boring when you know something that all the characters don't yet know and you're just sort of waiting then for them to find out why they're there but it's really frustrating you're going this is weird that i'm watching this and i'm more aware of why you're doing this than you are like it's a really odd decision that they made it's it's to not reveal anything of why they're there i think they'd invented a very uh old um literary trope 
Because what they've done is they've managed to take all the drama out of dramatic irony. Yeah. They, it's it's undramatic irony. Yeah. It, yeah. Because because the stakes are so low. Yeah. They don't know what's going on, but they're yeah. also not behaving in yeah. a way that affects what's going to go on. Yeah. If they were doing stuff where you'd be like, oh, if you knew that would be a terrible mistake, well, that would be one that would be yeah. dramatic irony. Yeah. In this example, it's just nothing. So I don't think that's ever been done before. No, I don't think it will ever be done again. No, it's just nonsense. So as they're uh, jollily uh, gallivanting, oh sorry, I shouldn't use that word. Sorry, uh, from that what my fifty right. years old. Um, oh, and from the fifties. Well, Get back in hey, the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> it means the same thing, doesn't it? If you're from the fifties, it means mm. you're fifty. God, do you um, remember all those uh, UFOs in the fifties? I don't everywhere. I right remember me. one in the forties. Um, <laughs> of course, of course. They. Uh, part of this little training montage is they're in this little circular room having a little jog around uh, trying to get to the middle of the room to press a button but uh, obstacles are in their way uh, what are those obstacles Callum? well <laughs> oh, what this... are they what are they pretending to what is the film pretending to us that they are it's fucked me up for like 15 minutes <laughs> Uh, I... <laughs> so so they say what's the point of this yeah and they're like oh um she's they say what are the what are the holes in the room for in the walls of the circular room and they say oh uh, chevy chase says oh dick have explained that to you yeah and then dick who as you pointed out is played by uh carrie's best friend from sex in the city oh yeah um, yeah uh, St- uh stanford stanford yeah. stanford sex in the city um he, he has one line in this film i don't yeah, know why yeah, right. i don't know why him and biff and like what are all these people doing here I absolutely not no. no and he has one line and he says that's for all the paintballs and his face is covered in what are quite recognisably paintball bruises. Yeah. So he's tested it out and he's a bit miffed by it. So you're like, oh, all these paintballs are going to fly out at them and cover them all in paint. Um, so anyway, the machine's not even started yet. And Tucker, rather sensibly, goes, yeah. well, I know the object is to hit the yellow thing. Yeah. Uh, the, sorry, the red button. So he runs over, presses the red button. But before he gets his hand on the button, this is how close he is to the middle... Paintballs start flying out. Yeah. But then they're not paintballs. Because <laughs> when they hit anything, there's no paint. No. For like eight minutes? Yeah. It's they're just these balls <laughs> flying around. Like it's like the inside of the National Lottery. It's like being inside Excalibur. <laughs> right. There's no paint. But also, crucially, there are no balls. It's, so where are they going? Like where? Because they're either, not landing. The, the room should be filling with balls. Exploding if they, um, yeah. to paint. Yeah. Or they're not exploding, and they're just they're they're just filling up the room. Yeah. yeah. But neither of those things are happening. So I'm so, like, I don't know what to do with that. So they're not real. I don't know what's happening. And you're. T- I mean, we know they're not real in real life. They're not real. They're CGI'd in. But in the world of in the kayfabe yeah. of the film, they should be. Something that exists in that world that they're in, but they've just decided to not care. And they don't hit the. They don't. No, they uh, don't hit people. Like until the very end, when there is a little montage within the montage of all of them one by one being hit 
by loads of balls. But even then, there is not one drop of paint in the room. It's just on their costumes. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's absolute nonsense. It's bizarre. And and also, I, what I found odd is that they gave them all yellow outfits. And some of the balls are yellow. Yeah. So it was like, just from a design concept, if yeah. you went to that yeah, trouble on great. borrowing the food from Hook, right? Yeah. Why didn't you... Why don't you borrow the gun from Flubber? Like, I, I don't know, do something that's <laughs> vibrant. But you've got blue, yellow and red mm. balls yep. flying through the air. And one of those colours isn't going to show up yep. on the on the clothes at the end of the scene. So you've just got some red, some blue and no paint in the room whatsoever. Yep. So I have no... It's worse than the CGI sprinkles in the... <laughs> I don't, Christmas 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 yeah. I don't know about that in Christmas mail. I don't just know about that. So just to clarify, we get to the end of that uh, montage. Uh, we're now 40 minutes into the film. Mm-hmm. Still, none of the characters know anything. None of the characters 40 know minutes anything. in. Yeah, none of the characters know anything. And and we're essentially in the establishing... Other, other, well, Chevy Chase, Rip Torn, and it's really unclear what Courtney Cox knows and doesn't know. Yeah. Because yeah. it changes. It's around this point that it changes without her getting any new information because there's yeah. a point where she says, um, can you just let us know what's going on? And then in the next scene, she seems to be aware of what's going on, but they haven't told. So I d- no. they just forgot what she knows and doesn't know. Yeah. As in the writers forgot. I think um, that's probably to do with the whole aneurysm thing as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like... Oh, yeah, because of the fall. The knock the head, and yeah. then there's been brain damage mm-hmm. and uh, memory loss. And... That's true. So um, that's that going on. So uh, at the end of the training montage, they uh, run. They're running down the hall, and they knock into Chevy Chase, who is carrying, for some inexplicable reason, a giant four foot model of a double helix. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that's there in this. In Area 52. I don't know. I'm so confused now what his job is. And it's going to get even more confusing in a scene coming up shortly where he's doing something else completely different. Like, he covers so many different branches of science that I am so confused mm. as to what his mission is. Maybe he's not. Maybe just, you know, GP. It's all Greek to me. I mean, geek, geek. to me. It's all geek it's to all you. It's all geek to me. Um, so then I believe... Well, that's we... where Daniel Day-Lewis turns up. Oh, sorry. And there's a really long shot of Chevy Chase, like for ages. Do you know what? Of Chevy Chase going, oh, guys, I'm going to need you to um, uh, pick up the double helix that they're already picking up, if that's okay. Do you know what I felt? I thought this was a really heartwarming scene because I was like, oh, it's so sweet that these three other professors have stopped to help him rebuild his double helix. I was really touched by it. I was like, oh, that's, they've got a nice group dynamic. They're all helping each other out. That was my, it was my favourite scene of the whole film. Do you know what? I didn't look at it like that and I'm glad that you mentioned it because mm. now at least I can look back on that one moment. That's, that's, um, that was the best moment. Unfortunately... I'm 70% sure Chevy Chase is about to do something really racist. Uh, <laughs> so that would be shortly. Right. So next, I believe we go into... They've they've got these little... Like... But, right. You know in prison, um, you have solitary confinement. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got those here for some reason. Um, I think it is meant to... 
Well, this is the confusing thing because I thought that these rooms were designed because in a way that it would somehow stop their powers being able to be used. No, I don't think it's that. But it can't be that because Tim Allen says he gets out by yeah. using his powers. So it's not so they're just little solid. So, just, so he's so they keep putting Dylan in prison. Yeah. Um, because he get, goes invisible and escapes goes invisible from and the escapes. training. Yeah. He, right, it's important because this this is important. It will come up. He is really reticent to be involved with anything other than um, try, try, trying to hit on Kate Mara. Uh, everything else uh, couldn't give a crap about and yet keeps kind of going away, keeping himself to himself, uh, using his invisible powers of invisibility, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, he keeps getting ending up in solitary, which is a weird thing to do to a child uh, when you've already got them there, <laughs> no reason not telling them why. Um, like it's like psychological torture, psychological torture of these young people uh, throughout this whole thing. Uh, but Tim Allen comes and pays them a little visit, mm-hmm. and then they have a really weirdly long, confusing conversation about a creek, um, and and Tim Allen. Uh, getting out of the solitary when he was a kid by hopping and being angry that uh, Dylan keeps calling it skipping because obviously skipping would be far too effeminate mm-hmm. um, and a lot of this other just all the Tim Allen's toxic masculinity coming out again which was lovely but um, fishing and makeup boy stuff not no no not fishing not going fishing. down by the river going ca- down. catching fish nope going down by the river throwing fish at each other and painting our faces, you know, guy stuff. So, I mean, what? What? Again, like I'm uh, worried for how many children watched that and went, "Oh, let's go out to the and, and her animals." And... Do you remember when we were in Texas? We used to go down to that creek. We used to throw fish at each other all the time. Didn't oh, we? They, them were the days. Them were the days. Corpus Christi. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was the days. Um, like yeah, what? Why? Very odd. Again, you could have written anything. You could yes. have written any any of the words in the English language in any order that you wanted and you chose throwing throwing fish at each other. And painting our faces. Yeah. And then you were a bit homophobic. But there's also a precursor to this about um, about the fact that uh, the scientist mm. guy uh, made this solitary confinement specifically yeah. for Zoom because he kept wanting to escape yeah. when he was a kid. They knitted it for me. Mm. One knit, knit one, one pearl. Per two. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't know whether that was a joke. No, it was a joke because he said they, uh, he said, um, uh, what's Ripton's character called? La- 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 Larrabee. Larrabee. Yeah. Larrabee. Um, is it Grant? Dr. Grant? Yeah. Grant. Yeah. Grant, Grant and Larrabee knitted it together, but naked in front of the fire. So yeah. it was a joke. It was a weird joke. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Was. Okay, yeah. Of course, in that context, it would have been, yeah, fine. Um. So, anyway, he convinces uh, Miles Dillon yeah. to um, not sulk so much. To not sulk so much. Um, oh, and also he says, uh, mentions his brother, and he's like, yeah. and that's where we learn about the fact that he thinks his brother's dead. Yeah. Um, and we don't yet know who his brother is. I don't no. think. Um, 
then... Oh, no, we do. We do, because they tell us at the beginning of the film. Well, we know that... We know. We know his dead. But they don't. I forget. We already know everything, which makes it really exciting and interesting to watch that you don't find out anything because they tell you it all at the beginning. It's so early on. Guys, this film isn't for you. It's for the people, the characters in the film, okay? Yeah. So we're just going to tell you everything now, just so you know, because um, it's not important for you. It's important for them to learn. And I'm like, what, I, what a weird... What a, what a weird decision, structurally. Um, then then we go to the bullying Chevy Chase right, scene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in... Um, specifically, the, maybe maybe because Courtney Cox is in this, I'm thinking of it. The um, When Ross, in his museum, uh, ends up getting inside the caveman exhibition, there's something that happens... That little exhibition in the museum. Yeah. Where there are cavemen. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. Chevy Chase is in that. Yeah. But instead of it being a public gallery, yeah. he's, uh, there's a, like a control booth. Yeah. Presumably it's some kind of experiment so it can add elements to this room. You can make yeah, it rain, yeah, yeah, you can yeah, make yeah. it have an electrical storm, you can make a, an avalanche happen. And Chevy Chase is in there like watering the plants Yeah. Uh, with a silly hat on. And... Uh, all the kids, apart from Miles Dillon, who's having his mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. finishing his personal chat with Tim. Um, the rest of them, though, uh, Kate, Tucker, and the Princess, discover him, break into the control panel, and decide to just humiliate him. It's it's so difficult to watch this again just watching as, three children bully an old man in his 70s as you said i don't think he's quite his 70s at this point no, uh 60s uh yeah 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 uh early 60s maybe the character definitely oh the character yeah yeah so um he is as you've said before absolutely fine and perfectly nice character like there's he's done absolutely nothing for us as an audience to be on the side of these teenagers yeah. who, yeah, lot through Kate Mara's powers, uh, through the powers that she we know she has rather than the powers that they tell us she has, because remember, are two different things. Uh, she controls the doors. Lock, yeah, the doors. But weirdly, she, they open like automatic they're, doors. They're automatic doors, <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I don't think he did that. Hey, I clever think. idea uh, for that scene where. Uh, <laughs> Kate, you know, have her opening the doors of her powers. Just got some automatic doors. It will look amazing. Will it? Or will it look like Walmart? Because that's... Yeah, and yeah. I'll make this noise that is shh. After... Yeah. Yeah, did you use the recording of automatic doors for that, Foley? Because it sounded a lot like automatic doors. But the main thing is that, you know, she didn't yeah. have to work out how, yeah. to, how to make the doors open. She could just understand. Yeah. That's yeah, how she did it. That's... So they go in there and they just bully this man. They put rain on him. They make an electrical storm happen. They electrocute him to the point where he starts doing some silly voices. Now, I want you to kind of imagine Chevy Chase doing a bad impression of Spike Milligan doing his version of... uh uh Christopher Lloyd uh, in Back to the Future. Like, the, the, um, like, it's, it's that, isn't it? That's what's happening here. It's, 
is that kind of nonsense that the goons used to kind of yeah. get away with. Yeah. But Chevy Chase has done that, but he's, instead of speaking nonsense, he's speaking real words in what sounds like a kind of pan like an incons- mm-hmm. conspicuously, there's something thinly veiled, slightly racist about the accent. So, he does it, when he gets electrocuted, he does it, and I'm almost certain it's an offensive Middle Eastern impression. It does sound like that. Uh, yeah. And then he gets... Uh, an uh, avalanche upon, yeah. Uh, this snow falls upon him, and then he's a hundred percent doing like a Norwegian voice. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh no, so you are doing because the snow is you've gone. Oh, I'm gonna do a cold, right, cold right, 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 right. Which again, it's I don't know why it's happening. It a little jig as well. It's it's yeah. this whole. I don't know why this scene is in here. I think Rip Torn got him smashed in between yeah. takes. And then Chevy Chase was like, oh, I'll do it to make Rip laugh. Yeah, maybe. And Rip was like, yeah, Chevy, Chevy do it. I'll fucking shoot you. Yeah. Like, I think that's probably what yeah. happened. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. And he was just had a gun on the other side of the camera the whole time. Yeah. Um, um, now, they're all... Uh, they So, yeah, so they bully Chevy Chase, and that just happens. Oh, and they, they're going to release some skunks... Um, oh yeah, there's a the whole thing where a skunk, a robot skunk, robot skunk sprays yeah. it on Chevy Chase, and yeah. then he passes out, and they all laugh, and then they walk off, leaving on a, a, an unconscious man on the yeah. floor who's been yeah. nothing but a kind <laughs> granddad to them. We're now fifty-five. Horrible, yeah, horrible children. Um, so fifty-five yeah. minutes into the film now. Yep, still don't know why they're there. Still don't know. Still don't know why they're there. Although now Tim Allen has a little heart to heart with Dylan, and he's like, uh, so Dylan. Um, uh, who's they're both now out of solitary. We don't really, yeah. Um, Dylan, we now uh, are gonna have this little chat, and I'm gonna tell you that I think you are the leader of this group. And I was like, hang on a minute, yeah, that right. So let's just take stock of everything we've seen so far. Dylan has not wanted to be a part of this group at all. He keeps running away at every opportunity. He has done nothing to contribute. Whereas Kate Mara's character has kept everyone together, looked after the two younger ones, mm-hmm. uh, used her powers loads, worked out how to get the UFO to work fast, like all these things. And, um, and I said to you, like, this is literally purely because he's a Oh, villain. entirely. 100%. And it's just a horrible, horrible, like, the, I'm like, that, mm, oh, we could go for the person that's most qualified. Oh, no, but there's a guy. There's a boy. So we'll, oh, a boy, we'll yeah. go, go for the, the boy. Like, Give it to the irresponsible boy yeah. who has been sexually harassing, sexually harassing the only person yeah. who is qualified to do this job. Yeah, Kate Mara. Kate, uh, Kate Mara. Um, also, what annoyed me at that point is that they introduced another power for Dylan. Yeah, just out of the blue. Yeah, and he just said, "Close your eyes, Dylan, and what do you see?" And he went, "Oh, I can see uh, uh, Kate Mara um, not wearing much, uh, taking her clothes off in her bedroom, dancing." Um, and they like showed us that montage. He does, in fairness, he doesn't say anything about her taking her clothes off. No, but you made that up. It felt very voyeuristic. <laughs> it did. I can it see did. her dancing in her bedroom, it and did. she's not. Well, she's not wearing like scantily clad, no. but she's like not in her yeah. full no. uniform. Clearly, yeah. being pride. I was like, you, like you. If this wasn't a I kids' was film, worried. it was a hundred percent. It's going to be her in her underwear. Because why worried. else would she be yeah. using? I was worried that's where it was going. 
So I'm like, what is this? And I wasn't even clear that this was a power at this point. It was like, is this just what you're thinking about? Well, yeah, you weren't clear it was a power because what happens is Tim Allen goes, can I just ask, when you go invisible, do you get like a little, do you get a little headache just above your eye? And he goes, "Mm, yeah. And he goes, oh, okay. So, (laughs) and then the proceeds to guide him through this other brand new power that he can, yeah, kind of telepathically be aware of where people are. I'm like, what? what? Why? Are you going to explain? Are you going to explain anything about How why, why you that know happens? that or why the thing yeah. above the eye? And it's also never explained again. Yeah. So that's fine. So all of that happens. Uh, Miles Dillon's made the leader. Miles Dillon's made the leader. Everyone else is happy with it, by the way. At some point, Kate Mara decides that she's in, in love with him. It's really weird. Like, she doesn't like him. She's like, stop hitting on me. And then she's in love with him, and well, there's no well, well, it happens now yeah. when because what oh. happens then is Tim Allen goes right. Miles Dillon's on side. The kids are actually fine because yeah. they've been all right anyway, and Kate's been looking after them, uh, and they bullied Chevy Chase, and that made them happy. So I'm going to throw a party for them all. Yeah, and at the party, Kate Mara says, "I don't really have anything to wear." I'm gonna yeah. I'll go to Courtney Cox and get Cox. some Antilly yeah. advice. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, just before that scene though, there is a really important. Uh, it's not important at all. Nothing in this film is important. Uh, there is a conversation between uh, Courtney Cox and Tim Allen in a in a cafeteria in uh, Area Fifty Two, and it's just important. I can't even remember what the conversation's about because I was so distracted. By the fact that there is nothing to eat in this cafeteria. Oh, yeah. Except a giant bowl of just bananas. But like yeah. bunches and bunches of bananas, like about 50 bananas, and but nothing else is available. And I'm like, why have you chosen that? What? It's so distracting in this scene and so incongruous. Like, why has the art director gone? Mm, yep, they're happy with that. Can we, can we get more bananas? Have you got no, 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 more? It's like 25, 30 bananas in the shot at all times. It's so weird. And then, but also that conversation didn't, it's, again, didn't need to happen because what it was, was him going, oh, I'm going to throw this party for the kids. And she goes, oh, that's a good idea. And he's like, do you want to come? She's like, oh, I, you know, oh, I don't know. And, And he's like, oh, I'd love to go. Uh, to this party that I'm throwing, yeah. um, I'd love to go with someone like you. And then she drops her yogurt. Yeah. Like I don't know, like Helen Hunt or so. I, it's like, the brain. It's the brain aneurysm. It's the brain aneurysm. Yeah. yeah. It's, she's fallen over a couple of times yeah. uh, through that. Just, so so then we have a like, oh, this is meant to be a meet cute. Like even though you've been <laughs> yeah working together for weeks at this point, and there's been no sign of sexual tension coming from Courtney Toss at all. No. And it wouldn't make sense yeah. because you're neither playing a kind of handsome her character. Yeah. You, you're also, I don't know, I, you're awful, horrible man. Yeah, awful, horrible man. Um, so that that's a little setup there. Then Kate Mara goes to um, Courtney Cox. Cox. Yeah, to uh, go and see uh, uh, if she yeah has anything to wear for the uh, for the party for dance. The party. And Courtney Cox goes, oh, actually, yeah, I've got just the thing. I'll have a little rummage around. Uh, it takes her about three and a half seconds because there are six items of clothing in her. Yeah. Or, and then she goes, oh, here it is at last. I'm like, what? <laughs> we've, what? 
we can see. We can see what you're doing. You're being filmed. And you're doing what you're yeah. doing. So you know that that like that you know none of that makes sense because you've immediately yeah. gone into and, and go, oh, mm-hmm. oh here it is, Grant, I found it. No, no you or you oh be a person that thinks. And also you're Courtney Cox. Yeah. You're, like, you're good. You're good. Very good. You've been brilliant on occasion. I Absolutely. Have no idea. Um, In the Bruce Springsteen music video. Oops. I mean, that was her best. Um, so then uh, she does this little, and, and she pulls out this dress that I don't particularly like very much. It, well, um, it's it's the dress that you get pressured into buying at a market in Tenerife. <laughs> You're a 14-year-old girl in the 90s, and you thought, oh, that will go well, because I've got a little choker thing, little black... From Dad's Accessories. From Dad's Accessories that will go with it. Yeah. And then you... And it looks nice in Tenerife. Yeah. And it's kind of... And then you bring it back, and you never wear it again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the dress. Uh, And then she's like, oh, and and Courtney Cox is like, yeah, another one of these dresses for a a dance I never went to. Um, And then kind of does this little monologue about how she's always want all got all these dresses and bought them in the hope that she'd be able to wear them and then has never been able to be invited or yeah. didn't have any friends who take her out to places where she could wear nice dresses and oh isn't it a shame I can never wear these dresses but at least you could wear one. She's and then, she's already been invited to the dance at this point by Tim Allen. Yeah you remember, in and, the previous and, scene. And the first time we saw her she was wearing a lovely green dress. So I don't know it's all nonsense. Um, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah which isn't in the wardrobe. No which isn't in the wardrobe. Um uh and then she says uh and then kate mara says i always thought prom queens should ha- be the girls with the highest iqs and courtney cox goes mm, yeah that would make the most sense and i went would it like i don't well yeah like, I, I i see and empathize with the point you're trying to make like it shouldn't be a popularity contest or a beauty contest but as you said well it's but it's still imposing a hierarchical it's still making it a contest based on <laughs> yeah. things that people can't control yeah, yeah. It's, you know <laughs> It's no different, really, than saying I. I think the prom. I always thought prom queens should be, um, uh, you know, people who are good at science and have blonde hair. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> you can't yeah. control those things. Yeah, I think maybe let's just stop imposing hierarchical power structures on teenagers. Yeah. Um, teaching them to go out into the world and and work within those capitalist systems. Um, well, so, exactly. So. Um, then they we get to the dance where at the dance it looks absolutely god awful and i would hate to be it it is mainly obviously middle-aged soldiers yeah um because that's because there are four children here even though there aren't there are dozens but god i did i think they all died they all died um so there's just the four kids that we've been following and a load of military people who look a bit uncomfortable to be there uh and tavan and Courtney cox and of course uh, Kate Mara comes in with her lovely dress and uh, uh, Dylan is very happy to see her uh, says some nonsense about it says I thought your necklace looked a bit bare which is a weird <laughs> sentence to say to someone uh, and so... <laughs> at which point I'm expecting her to like go like, fuck you I don't like yeah. you you're a potential future rapist yeah. like go away yeah but no she's absolutely absolutely looking at him as if she's in love with him and uh, and because I guess she's just like you know, well, Stockholm syndrome. There's hey, no one else. Fine, there's no else. Yeah. Everyone else is middle aged or underage, so and no one is showing me respect, no love, sh- or attention. No, yeah. So I may as well get it from the person who's eventually going to abuse me. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, this film. Uh, so then uh, he goes, well, I made you something to put on your necklace uh, in R&D. And I was like, can you research the first time you've First time yeah. you've... Yeah, Use that. yeah, they got arts council funding for it. Um, they did, yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, so they're doing their R and D, and he's made a little, a little, yeah, like Greek, ancient Greek style little oracle eye uh, to to hang off. I mean, uh, apparently, very uh, disgusting necklace that he hates, and that he wanted to impose something of him. So it's also that yeah. kind of ownership of like I don't I don't like he's that. Kind of, he like kind of necks her and then gives her something from to improve it uh, that he's made. That, that he's will, made that so I, look I now own a bit of your necklace. Like yeah. it's a, a it's a power play. It is a power don't play. Like it. Um, but also I'm thinking that okay this is maybe this is going to come into play. Yeah. Um because there is that folklore in Persia and Iran. Persia in Persia, mm. um, uh, Mesopotamia. Yeah, yeah, but all of those regions, especially because of the the empires at that time, yeah. Greeks, Turks, yeah. um, Iranians, uh, Iraqis, all use the eye, the which is the turquoise and the white with the yeah. eye in the middle yeah. as a as a kind of good luck sign and you yeah. you find it in cars quite a lot because cars are considered dangerous or on yeah. planes or like it brings good luck and like it's a, a cultural thing across mm. quite a lot of, of of different countries and i was like well maybe this is a good luck charm and there's something about the ability to see that he now has right yeah and but also she kind of has because she can yeah, understand they, things, yeah, but they, they forgot about that they have sim they have very similar powers but, and that's never really mentioned ah oh, yeah so I was like, maybe it's going to come into play. And also, we we don't we know that it's in America and it's in Area Fifty Two, but we also don't know where Riptorn's from. And we know that there's this little breadcrumbs <laughs> that he's laid at the beginning. Yeah. So I genuinely considered at this point. Yeah. Even after I sat through this, mm. I was like. This might be the Greek reference. This might be why Riptorn said at the beginning yeah. of the film. I speak Greek, not, not geek. geek. Yeah. It's going to come back here. Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, and then, uh, beautiful Courtney Cox uh, arrives. Now, remember, she lamented the sadness that she's always had that she's never able to come to uh, beautiful formal occasions, balls, parties. Wearing all those dresses that wear, she loves. Wearing all those lovely dresses that she loves. So, of course... Finally, she gets her moment. She was invited to the ball by Tim Allen. And of course, she turns up in a shirt and a pencil line skirt. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> you, why then? Why do that? Though? Why have? Why put so much weight on this thing of, oh, I never get to wear these dresses. Yeah. And the point of Tim Allen inviting her and she's like, oh, I, you know. And so she comes and comes not wearing. The, like, then don't put she's that She's got very smart casual. Um, but nevertheless, Tim Allen flirts with her. Yep, he flirts with her, uh, and then he says, "Let's have a dance." And he goes, "Wait a minute, take those bloody glasses off, you ugly woman." Four-eyed freak. He yeah. doesn't say that. No, but that's definitely the implication. Yeah, he says, "Because you're so," and he's going to say, "Beautiful without your glasses on." Mm. And then he notices how blind she is, mm. and he says, "You're so blind. Sorry, you better wear them." And then she goes in response, yeah. "No, it's all right. I." I'll take them off for you. Yeah. I'm like, well, not if you need them, because now you're 
essentially being disabled. Oh, so I said to you, I was like, sorry, the only why has he asked her that? Yeah, no, it's dreadful. He's just asked that because he thinks he because he would rather look at her without glasses on. Yeah. Because he thinks she's more attractive. Because he thinks glasses make a woman look ugly. And oh. and the purpose of her is fit to serve his gaze. I object of desire. Obviously, I've always known Tim Allen's a Republican, and I'm a huge fan. This film has made me like, hate him. I I will never think like, of Tim Allen. Hate now. him. And genuinely, as a Toy Story kid, I yeah, it sucks. Yeah. It really yeah. sucks. Yeah. Um. There's also a little bit more about uh Pib having this nice kind of friendship mm-hmm. with uh princess yeah um which is kind of important but also odd because princess has been desperately trying to reach out to tim allen for the whole oh, film oh god we, we haven't even talked about the well, weird scene well, we, it, it it we can't spend that long in it no but throughout the film tim allen this reluctant hero who doesn't really want to do that much with the kids has softened right yeah and some of that softening is meant to have been done by princess who is six years old yeah very strong, but also insists on being Tim Allen's friend. It's like, hold my hand. The problem is, she is six, mm. and he is 53. Yeah. And she's like, hold my hand. He's like, no, not it's inappropriate. She's like, hold my hand. Otherwise, yeah. I'll, oh, I'll use my super strength. He's like, okay, yeah. okay. And then she's like, I can't sleep. Comes into his bedroom. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, no, you, you've got to go. She's like, no, I want to sleep here with you. He's like, absolutely not. Yeah. And yeah. he's kind of like, quite right here. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh, good. He's actually behaving responsibly. He might be a dick, but he understands what uh, what safeguarding is. But I don't. But I think I don't think that's what's meant to be the subtext. Like, because it that would be weird to put in a kids' film. Yeah. And the subtext is meant to be I'm a grumpy loner. Yeah. And this girl, as you said, this girl's gonna kind of yeah m- melt, Warm, my, melt heart. my heart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the way that he's playing it. It, it he's added a really weird sinister subtext to yeah. it that didn't really mm-hmm. need to be there. I mean, I I, I suppose and see what you're saying that the, the the realism of that scenario, yes, there would be a safeguarding. Yeah. But like for the purposes of this fantasy film for kids, I don't think it needed to be common. I don't think we needed yeah. to have the thought yeah. of there being this weird. Pedophilic undertone to yeah. the thing. It doesn't need. No, it doesn't to be even. There. Yeah, it not. And I don't think it makes him come across as a pedophilic. No, 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 no but it's not the, at all. It's an awareness of it, it that references it. But the ref- and yeah. once you bring that into a room, you ain't going to get yeah. rid of it, especially yeah. not when you've got like fifteen minutes of the film left. Yeah, like what are you doing? So she, so she, uh, eventually he relents because he's softened by her, and she goes and sleeps on. A sofa on the other side of the room that he's sleeping in, which is bolted into the wall for some... I don't know why a sofa is bolted into the wall. Well, I do know why. It's in order to do the gag that they do at the end of the scene, which is where she uses her super strength to, to pull, rip the, the, the metal sofa uh, out of the concrete wall that it's bolted to and drag it along so that she can sleep yeah. right next to him. And that, also, but now because of the yeah, air that's in the, the room, yeah. it feels very feels uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so at this point at the party, yeah, princess is party, you know, leaving Tim is, alone, yeah. but is making friends with Pib the robot. And yeah. I'm like, oh, they should have done this the whole yeah. time. Don't yeah. worry about Tim Allen. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you know one of the most loved characters in the history of sci-fi and fantasy and and space sagas and is R two D two. Yeah. 
make him your R2-D2. Yeah. The lovable sidekick, as Mark yeah. Hamill says, R2-D2 saved more lives than anybody in the history yeah. of Star Wars. And he's universally loved, even though he's a trash can who can't speak. Yeah. And he's also looking a little bit kind of almost like Wally as well. So I'm like, yeah. come on, play into that. Well, you think, yeah, Kids will love that. A little bit like E.T. E. Elliot e. relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, yeah. there's all that. of that stuff going on that yeah. could have been a really nice element to uh, this kids film. Yeah. And they've just screwed it over by going, yeah. oh, just build it and have it and shot every now and again. That'll do. And I'm yeah. like, no, because what you don't understand is the point of it, which is heart. Yeah. And you don't, it, it, it's such a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Um, so anyway, all that's going on at the party, and then the party is crashed by, by Rip Torn uh, and the, the real soldiers. Greek himself. The real Greek, and uh, he yells everyone to shut the party down. Uh, we need everyone at it. Uh, we're um, and then basically it, it's going into the reveal finally of why they're there and that they're going to get ready and that imminently. We have the arrival of concussion, uh, but he's very angry. He's ripped on, so he's he's turned up again, absolutely hammered. I mean, steaming in this yeah, scene. Like this is, it's, you know, this shot, this film was shot in order because yeah. he does get. He starts off like absolutely unable to drive. Yeah, he ends where like, like you know, as soon as cuts happened, he's vomited into a bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's so drunk. Um. And uh, he yells at everyone to get out, um, tells all the kids to go and do laps, um, shuts the party down. Uh, to which Tim Allen's response is, oh my God. He says, geez, for a straight guy, you're dramatic. Yep. I mean, yep. this is a yep. film where not only is he playing the hero of mm-hmm. the film, mm-hmm. but it's a film aimed at, built for children. Mm-hmm. And this film was made in 2006. Mm-hmm. And what is it? So it's teaching us that uh, uh, gay people are dr- dramatic. Yeah. Um, it's teaching us that... Uh, uh, pretty girls uh, don't have any friends or ever get any respect. Uh, it's women are uh, the object of desire for men. Teaching us that women are the object of desire for men, and that men are or should always be leaders. Yeah, natural leaders. Uh, yeah. It's uh, obviously yeah, teaching us that women are far more attractive without glasses. Uh, it is teaching us that uh, fat kids should be bullied, or anyone that's a bit different should be bullied relentlessly uh, into conformity. And um, that service staff should have inherently low self-esteem. Service staff should have low self-esteem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are just some of the things we learned. Whoa, dreadful. Um, so anyway, we're so, nearly, we're so nearly at the end. So, the climactic scene. Uh, the crew are finally told, and he gets, Tim Allen gets very angry. Uh, oh my God, you're saying my brother's alive. Um and now we all know that brother is concussion. Yeah. Uh, they uh are planning on capturing concussion in the same gamma, uh, kind of cloud that mm-hmm. turned him bad to try and reverse it. Um, yeah. and they need the help of uh, a news NF team to try and yeah. contain him, basically. So they all go out. Uh, and 
and have uh, a big fight scene with concussion. We do have another little um, uh, callback here. Mm. Um, to remember, the first helicopter was the cowcopter. Yeah, yeah, this is weird. So yeah. now we have another helicopter, which is the same design, and it has a cow imprint on it as well. Yeah. But it's not black and white; no. it's green and white, yeah, isn't it? Did it you is, notice that? I was is. like, so you found yeah. another yeah. helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so that's two different. Cowcopters. <laughs> one isn't even the right colour. But is you're right. It isn't just because I know it's not just you, camouflage. I know you at home might be thinking, oh, they've just mistook yeah. camouflage. It is. It's cow print. It is cow print, but like olive green and white rather than black and white. It's, it's really weird. It's so confusing. I think they might have taken the same shot and just colour corrected I it in post that. to wonder. make it look like a different shot. Yeah, I to, thought that. To say military again. Yeah, I thought that. But they've forgotten that the first shot didn't yeah. say military, it said cow. <laughs> cow! Also, they didn't need a helicopter to tell us military because we are now in Operation Desert Storm. Yeah. Oh, oh the whole of like. Why? Yeah, it is. We're now in Fallujah. Half the cast of Jarhead are there, yeah. like walking yeah. through. It, yeah. We've got dog tags it's on. It's far too much. It's far too much. Um. And they set about to meet uh, Concussion, who, in some kind of warp speed with mm. red light and a blur behind him, lands on the earth. And he is a beautiful young, uh, like, cross between Henry Carvel and Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Um, and he hasn't aged. And he hasn't aged. So he's, although he's the older brother of Tim Allen, yeah. he's been living in a different dimension. Why and how do we know this? Because Tim Allen says, oh, hey, Concussion, my older brother, it's so nice to meet you. Uh, I wish I could have been off living in another dimension where you don't age. And he says all of that <laughs> in one breath. He does. He does. It's great. It's, it's great. just shameless. Well, a great exposition. Um, so uh, here, of course, is where we learn about uh, all of Concussion's powers. Because obviously, you know, he's been the big antagonist of the film. And, he killed uh, the last he lot. He killed the last lot. So inevitably, this is the point, of course, where you reveal what these incredible great powers are, why they're so scared of him, why they've spent the whole film creating this team to try and fight yeah. this evil uh, genius with all this incredible power at his disposal. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wait, no. They never tell us what he does. No. <laughs> they never seems... tell us what his powers are. It seems unimportant to them. <laughs> To the point of, like, if I met, if I, you know, if I met Peter Peter Hewitt, Hewitt, I'd be like, I don't really want to ask because I, I know that you will have thought about this because you very deliberately don't reveal. Yeah, yeah, true. But like, you obviously very purposefully don't reveal Peter the powers of concussion. I know there's probably a a meaning for that, and I understand that there are some, you know, Reddit theories around why that is. I just want to hear it from you. Like, why didn't you? Like, that's how yeah. obvious it is. Like, yeah. I'd be embarrassed to ask because they just completely <laughs> no-sell the idea that he's got powers. Yeah. At one point, he's able to punch away some uh, rocks that are yeah. thrown at you him see, by Kate Mara's mind. His, his power seems to be force fields. Like, miniature force fields. Little, tiny, red force fields. About twice the size of each fist. Yeah. That's it. That's the only That's thing I ever see him do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, his eyes glow red. Yeah. His um, eyes glow red. And 
And then... So there's a whole big, a whole big uh... battle scene. They do lots of fighting. All of the kids realise the the their powers all work, and that they can work together as a team. Team. Um, and then Zoom, uh, Tim Allen yeah. runs around him really fast, mm-hmm. creating a force, creating like a like a, a, whir- like a tornado, like a whirl. Yeah, and the pressure of that, yeah, uh, throws him up into the air. And then he gets zapped, and then and then he's about to overshoot the the gamma yeah. tornado that they've made to try and change reverse the good. evil powers. Uh, and then Kate Mara notices this, and she uh, oh Moves. no no no, it's Courtney Cox notices because we've learned she's got Courtney magic Cox has breath. got magic breath. Oh, by the way, Mad- oh, by, by the way, way. Courtney <laughs> Cox is here as well. Yeah, that, she's that's... at the very end of the film, you, uh, I... and her superpower <laughs> is that she's got little. Hundreds of thousands that come out of like you, you know that this is sprinkles from Christmas from, mail. From Christmas mail. Yeah. yeah, they, they come, come out, out of her mouth. mouth. Yeah, so yeah, she uh, does that and blows him back down through the gamma tornado, and it all works, and the plan works, and and he's turned back to being good again. Um, and, and then, then he's like, "Oh, bro, how's it going?" And they're like, "Hey, I've got my little brother, my older brother back." And then yeah. they all walk off, and then Rip Torn's like, "What are you gonna do now?" Because I'm a bit worried that you're... And he says, hey, I'm going to do what heroes always do. Which is the right thing. Yeah. And then they walk off into the proverbial sunset. The proverbial sunset. Um, and then and then there's a little epilogue of... Uh, they're doing well. Everyone's doing well back at school. They've got... Well, she's a cheerleader. So she, um, Kate Mara. So she's conformed into the thing she didn't want to be. Or, mm-hmm. And has forgiven the people that were horrible to her. Because, I don't really know why. Um... And and is now part of that group of, of horrible people. She's um, still with Dylan Miles. Dylan still with Miles Dylan. Princess does a sh- as a show with a far too elaborate set for a six year old preschool play. And she is huge assaults an eight year old boy. She assaults an eight year old boy. And then uh, she gets a little notification on a a little alarm. Yeah. And they all get alarmed. Were, well, no, no, sorry. Uh, uh, I do want to mention. Oh, oh Tucker is doing because what Tucker is doing is. Um, I just, I just uh, don't agree with it at all. I just think it's just not sporting anyway. He's be- he's become a goal goalie for a soccer team. Because if you want to play soccer and you're not a slim gym, the only goal. position you can possibly play would be in goal. Getting goal fatty. Oh, so he um, is in goal, but because of his power um, being able to, obviously, firstly turn a body part into um uh, an, animated larger, cartoon. an animated cartoon and then, and then... And then it grows um <laughs> he is using that power to just stop the ball very easily so he can make a giant hand uh well, get, goes wherever and i'm like well that i said you're that's worse than doping it's absolutely unfair it's the absolutely other worse than start, doping other team don't stand a chance also and we're women to be happy about women to go oh yay he's found yeah. something he enjoys i'm like no you're ruining the sportsmanship and the ethics of this football game. And and this has landed especially, not just because of what we're reading into it with our morals and our <laughs> ethics, but also because they spend about, I don't know, 45 seconds with a big hero shot on a random child with a number 17 <laughs> on his jersey, who right, run, does this amazing run from the right at the, the back of the his goal line. Yeah. Dribbles it round like yeah. you know yeah. nine players, ten yeah. players. He's incredible football. We're following the whole time to the point yeah. where I was like, "Oh, who is this? I, yes, I missed this character. I've forgotten." Yeah. 
Yeah. No, no, it's just random. So when he does get blocked by Tucker <laughs> cheating, we're both just like, oh man, yeah. this is yeah. totally unjust. <laughs> you know, and also, why are people not more shocked and concerned that there are superheroes in the world for real? Yeah. Because you haven't, you still haven't established yeah. how much people know about superheroes, magic, evil, people's, you know, Area 51, Area 52, government campaigns to fight off enemies and UFOs landing. I mean, we're just not clear about any of yeah. it. No. And um, it's now the end of the film. Yeah. So thanks a bunch. Yeah. And as as you quite rightly say, they all get their little buzzers buzzed and now they're all a little group. They meet up together. Tim Allen's dressed like a Black Power Ranger for some reason. Uh, yeah. And they all beam up into the UFO uh, and and fly off, and that's that's the end of the film. Now that epilogue is, of course, underscored by Smash Mouth, mm-hmm. but it's very specifically underscored by Smash Mouth trying to trick people into <laughs> thinking that they're singing All Star and yeah. hoping that no one will notice that they're actually singing a very slightly different song. Yeah. It- <laughs> All Star would be so appropriate yeah. with the two sporting references, the cheerleading references, the show references of yeah. Princess performing, the team coming together in order to yeah. get the job done. It's why it's such a good end of a kids' movie song. Yeah. And was used appropriately. Yeah. So why? Why didn't they choose that song in the first place? That's yeah. the first question. Yeah. Second of all, why is a band doing another song that sounds a bit like their biggest hit? That's also about similar kind of themes, yeah. but not as good. Like, I why is there a DreamWorks buyout for that one song? Yeah. <laughs> must be. You can only it use All Star in reference it's, to Shrek. It's so strange. It's so strange. Very bizarre. Um, well done. You got to the end. Oh no, you didn't. They did a post-credits outtake mm-hmm. sequence, which mm-hmm. is dreadful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's dreadful for a couple of reasons. One. Uh, one, they're bad outtakes to the point where I actually think quite a few of them aren't genuine outtakes. Yeah, they're Um, staged. They're very staged uh, to try and kind of jump on the kind of Anchorman feel. Yeah. Um, Second of all, I can think of nothing more insulting than... than... It's like the... It's like the creative equivalent of you should have seen the other guy. Like... Yeah. Yeah, like you thought that was bad. Yeah, imagine how much worse it had been if we'd kept these outtakes in. Yeah, it's like, yeah, how dare you? Yeah, how dare you suggest what you just served up was remotely, yeah, ethically or mor- morally acceptable? Let alone, it's also <laughs> almost all of those outtakes are them talking about how they're not doing very good. Yeah, and I'm like, right, don't call yeah. out the fact. It's a bit awkward, guys. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Speaking of calling out things, just before we uh, finish and go into how we'd make it better, mm-hmm. um, I just want you to very quickly talk about the shoes. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! There was just—it was just a moment where finally, um, uh, c- conscious um, c- concussion lands when he did that big long shot of him coming in and yeah. there was like vapour coming off him yeah. from space presumably in another dimension yeah. and he lands and he lands on earth and he does the superhero landing we all know the one I mean right yeah. and as a result there's this 
shot of him landing on the earth and obviously that's when you see and understand the importance of a superhero's boots yeah because they it's something you don't focus on for much of a film but those shots are so iconic that we all know the superhero's boots are really hard to get right yeah and and hard to draw and and, and design all that so we have these shots of him in his boots which are really um really like a quarter inch rake heels but platformed like spice girls heels but like they're wedged in so wedge heels uh with like pvc on the front and they're quite thin and tight at the ankle and then over the top of them there are these huge like um like new york city bin man uh uh uh, like cuffs over the boots do you know the yeah. ones I'm like it was so ill-fitting and I just thought no oh, that's annoying that yeah. you've taken the trouble to do an iconic superhero shot mm. once in this movie mm-hmm. and it's, you've got to up by having a terrible production designer yeah. to the point where I went oh, I'm so over this I'm just gonna not pay attention to it you said to me you were trying really hard at, to look at the boots. Who's actively of, trying to not look at the boots? Out of a little bit of respect. Of, yeah, I can't just focus this. And not only did they stay on the shot, they also waited for Tim Allen to, to kind of walk into that shot, if you understand yeah. the kind of almost Dutch angle I'm talking about. You you you, you had him walk into the shot and then saying, uh, oh, nice boots, by the way. Yeah, and I was like, oh, so, I like the new boots. I was like, don't draw attention yeah. to it. No, it's at the outtakes of the of the equivalent of that. It's like yeah. I was trying to actively not look at the boots because they upset me so much. I don't yeah. even like comic books that much. I'm not even that knowledgeable when it comes to these things. I'm just not an idiot, and I know when I'm being insulted, so I'm yeah. not going to pay attention to it. And then you draw attention to it. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, do you like my dinner? I'm sorry that I was sick in it. It is me being sick in it again for you. Yeah. And here's some outtakes of me being sick worse yeah. than the sick that I made you eat. But bye. Thanks for your $75 million. Bye. bye. Yeah. Stay homophobic, kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. So there we go. That was Zoom. And uh, we seem to say this every week. But it does feel like it's getting harder and harder and harder to try and salvage a uh, little modicum of, of positivity, a uh, little grain to be able to uh, uh, bake uh, a new loaf of Zoom and uh, see if we can indeed make it better. We're going to turn the, the tiny grit in the oyster that is Zoom into a pearl. So, as always, we try and find... Uh, the kind of few things that maybe work or could work if they were done in a slightly different way and kind of hold on to those as as touchstones to kind of get us through into how we can improve this film. And I think for me, um, something I do genuinely find interesting uh, is is the idea of uh, the f- actually I know we've made fun of it a lot, but the fact that these teenagers that have these powers have been taken somewhere against their will ostensibly and don't know why or what for now that is very interesting if this is the first change i'd make we are also unaware 
Yeah. Um, and I think that's important. And so I think what would be interesting is, uh, firstly, we are not... You cut the prologue a bit, right? We're not told any, uh, any more than the minimum we need to know. So we're learning in real time with the young people. I would yep. also change it that the parents do have any kind of uh, uh, responsibility or power over giving the kids to this. I actually think it's more interesting if these young people are taken by this sort of shady US military organisation, yep. whether that is um, being uh, kind of surreptitiously uh, taken through kind of uh, posing to be welfare or social services set fabricating lies and saying we've got to take your yeah. kids away or whether it's more more forceful than that i don't know but the crucial thing is the parents don't have a say they haven't consented to these children being taken they are just taken whether it's in the middle of the night whatever it may be to area 52 right this, this military facility and uh crucially i wouldn't have uh tim allen be there with the military i would actually have the parents mm -hmm. go and find tim allen because they've looked into it and they've gone well uh there was some kind of shady military operation years previously mm -hmm. uh and th this guy turned up and i don't know maybe tim allen could have almost been like a whistleblower or something like that you know yeah. and, and they find a connection they go and find him at this auto shop and again he's exactly the character that he is in this although maybe a bit less racist and homophobic and sexist mm -hmm. and all the things he... actually he's not racist because there is not a single person of color in this film i've just realized that no that's dreadful yeah absolutely unbelievable dreadful. Yeah. i've just realized yeah. that it is there shocking. might be one or two extras but that is it there is no character with any lines no. that is not a single person of color that's that's awful yeah, um, and no, sorry, no just... queer characters either. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, that's a big change I'd make, and then and then so then I would have these kind of two parallel films happening uh, at the same time, where you're following uh, the uh, young people kind of being put through these rigorous, torturous tests, and they're getting increasingly psychologically damaged by it because they're like, I don't know why you. All I know is that I've got these powers. And then in the middle of the night, I was casting around him in this military facility. And it's it's a bit 11 in the season before last Stranger, Stranger Things. things. Yeah. Um, uh, a little bit like that. It's 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 a, a little bit elements of, of, of what Stan Lee tried to do, kind of with early X-Men and things like that. Um, uh, and you've got the Courtney Cox character essentially replaces the Tim Allen character in the facility. So actually the softening and the relationship uh, with an adult and with the young people actually happens nurturingly from from Courtney Cox's character yeah. who then because of that ends up realizing she's been playing for the for the wrong side and yeah. go and and rebels from the military uh, guys and and goes and tries to find Tim Allen actually she's the one that ends up helping them go and get to the kids of course over the course uh you do learn I would actually relatively the same amount of time, maybe a little bit earlier, about uh, the history of yeah. uh, uh, concussion and 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 all of that. Um, uh, but but again, we learn it at that same time. We're not watching, going, yeah, well, we know all that already. We're just waiting for you to catch up with where we are because that's boring, and the viewer have to do. Um, 
and and so those would kind of be my big thing so 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 it's 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 you've got um the military are the antagonists because that's something i found really confusing about this film is that riptorn is playing that character uh larrabee as ostensibly a bad guy yeah but yet ultimately the military do seem like their plan works and what mm-hmm. they were doing well and so therefore i'm left going oh i thought we were against them but mm-hmm. they did seem to save concussion yeah. so i so it all feels really confusing but the whole whole rest of the film you don't really feel like you want to root for them because they're keeping these kids locked up against their will and not telling them why yeah. it's just a really evil thing to do so I think you embrace that and play on that, and 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 I think you have the parents as the character with with Tim Tim Allen as the reluctant leader of the parents trying to break in and, and save them, and I yeah. think that's something I do. Uh, I know I know you've got some ideas to add and to embellish to this and to create a, a perhaps a slightly different setting that I think yeah. is 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 a, is a lot more interesting. So I think this is a, yeah already within a, a matter of minutes you structurally offered something. That is drawing on all those kernels that are there, um, and and you know, obviously it goes without saying. As always, it's better writing and better representation and better acting, and someone who knows how to make a film would mm-hmm. be helpful. Um, but also, when you were talking about these kids being kidnapped, and you know, first of all, my actual initial thought was uh, Trump's cages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this idea of a government agency separating families incarcerating them using military justification the type of justification that was put in place by george bush's homeland security which would have been yeah. rife at the time this film was made yeah. but also unfair perhaps to take something historic that happened far long after yeah. um uh, 2006 um and, and then it got me thinking about other times throughout history the military have have forcibly removed very very young teenagers uh taken them you know against their will and put them in mortal danger and then it also reminded me of another example of what happens when a military try to use psychological and sometimes even chemical techniques in order to create the type of soldier they need to overcome a formidable foe some of you who uh, might have listened to our Secret Sixties uh, podcast One of our a couple of years ago, ever performing podcast, it's remarkably mm. uh, yeah popular. Um, we touched uh, uh, briefly on MK Ultra, yeah, um, and and so I thought it would be very interesting and also really within the comic book tradition mm-hmm. uh, of taking something real and adding uh, uh, this magical fantasy layer to it um and when we talk about the secret cities and mk ultra and the idea of creating super soldiers to to overcome a formidable foe at all costs which is very much the rip torn line where he says whatever it takes i'll do whatever it takes um i think it would be really interesting to set this at the time of the late 60s early 70s uh vietnam war yeah where you know, kids as young as 17, 16 were being conscripted uh, at a moment's notice, flown over into training, very little training, flown over into Vietnam to face Viet Cong that they were untrained for and uneducated about to fight a war that America was fully against. Um, 
I think that, that would be a really interesting mm. analogy. What if our understanding of MKUltra, i.e. putting Vietnam soldiers, uh, conscripted soldiers, through LSD uh, trauma training to remove their sense of humanity, um, these you know very, very difficult true things that we know mm-hmm. actually did happen um, and Gottfried was hugely a part of that. What if we we had instead of kind of this bumbling Chevy Chase character, mm-hmm. a kind of Gottfried figure, a yeah. shadowy, you know, CIA, FBI, murky, unclear who what side they're on, but you know they're in the government because yeah. they're on all the blacked out reports from that era. Yeah. Um, with you, you know, uh, with uh, Ted Kennedy and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of that. So. So what if we had a figure like that who was responsible for this, who believed they were doing it for the good of the nation at the cost of these children and the cost of these parents and was prepared to be brutal about it? There you have not just a kind of scary boss villain figure, but you have an anti-hero yeah. who absolutely believes that they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, and it also reminded me a little bit of the Sith structure within the Star Wars world, yeah. which definitely zoom is borrowing from mm-hmm. places we mentioned rtd2 as a yeah. as a possible inspiration for pib yeah. um and this idea so that would be really interesting to to me um i also think you said something really interesting about stanley's early x-men yeah and what that was in response to and i think that might be worth mentioning in terms of just celebrating for a moment the political history of comic books and graphic novels in general yeah, so uh, I know that yeah that uh, Stanley was was quite influenced uh, when creating the X Men with um, uh, and certainly storylines uh, within within the X Men being kind of metaphorical parallels to what was happening in the uh, gay community with the AIDS uh, pandemic uh, that was happening in the in the eighties um, and and also you know the the going back early the the civil rights movement. Um, in African American communities and things like that, and it was and it was about this idea of that he was seeing about that we were America was getting uh, was was worse and worse at, at othering mm-hmm. um, people and and what that was doing and actually the idea of the X Men being this idea of creating a safe space for mutants and, and the whole way that these mutants were treated mm-hmm. and the and the and the analogy was, of a blood infection also, you know, lending itself yeah, to that narrative. Absolutely, and and you know, I think it was really the first. I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, and anyone listening out there that, that knows better than I, but uh, I believe it's the, kind of the first time that a superhero or, or group of superheroes were painted not in a positive light. They weren't heroes. They weren't lauded and celebrated by the general public. They were ostracized from those communities, mm. um, and. And I th- and yeah, there's just something really interesting. So I'd, I'd lean a bit more heavily into into some of the similar uh, tropes and themes that 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 the X Men have used over the years. Although perhaps not too much, because I do believe that actually uh, Sony tried to sue uh, this film because apparently the first script bared an incredible resemblance to X Men First Class. Wow. Um, so I th- yeah, I think that's right. Or, or yeah, certainly one one of the X Men scripts. Um, so I know there was a there was some kind of lawsuit that happened at some point with Zoom and X Men. So maybe not go too deep into yeah into yeah. those wounds. But, um, but, but using, yeah. just acknowledging that, mm. and also you know we look through comic book history and we know that there have been great comic books about superheroes who were set in the Second World War. Yeah, which brings Captain in America. this generational um, yeah Captain mm. America being a prime example of that. 
um, so we have this generational uh, line that's within the film Zoom of of Tim Allen being this this guy who's older, who's been through something, who has been traumatized by it, and and is reluctant to get back involved because of that yeah. trauma, but also has a sense of duty as a survivor to try and help those who are going through that. And we know again at the time of the Vietnam War, a lot of this was publicly kind of quashed, but many people who survived. It's still survivors from the First World War, remember, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in Europe. You know, saying about Vietnam, this is not the same, yeah. and we are destroying these young people's lives and giving them masses and masses mm-hmm. of trauma and not dealing with it. Um, and this isn't even in relation necessarily to MK Ultra yeah. because those things were very, very top secret at that time, mm-hmm. these experiments yeah. by mad kind of scientists who didn't know what they were doing, yeah. and actually some of them coming at it from a pretty Nazi discipline. Well, I, I was going to say one of the interesting things about you know, I mean, just 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 purely, it's just nice from a from a logistical point of view of transporting it. You you can use roughly the same uh, time lot time scale um, and and transpose it from from when Tim Allen was young and 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 to now to him fighting in world in World War Two, and then as being on the early seventies in Vietnam. That 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 sort of thirty year period makes sense um, uh, and, and, and also, kind of adds up. But yeah. but but also this idea that. Um, yeah, you know, the, the whole concept of the quote-unquote super soldier that we think of a lot now with Vietnam and MK Ultra testing and things like that is 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 mentioned in Mein Kampf. You know, it's it's yeah. a, it's a direct Nazi uh, idea, you know, uh, the Ubermensch and all, yeah. all that kind of thing. Um, so there is there is an interesting a basis an for interesting that parallel exists. with both of those wars with with the 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 Tim Allen character. And, and and the new kind of recruits and, and that parallel uh, and and being able to do superhero parallels the problems of two different wars is is quite exciting I think yeah yeah and I also think you get to look a little bit about what happens to veterans you know mm. Tim Allen is someone who you know was taken from a young age um, you know turned into this superhero figure Zoom who was celebrated and lauded and you know written about mm. but actually when push came to shove and he couldn't handle the fact that his brother and his colleagues all died as far as he was concerned he was left to run a small garage yeah. uh, grow his beard out lose a bit of shape what happens to Americans veterans well, we know to this day incredibly badly treated mm. some of the worst treated veterans in the world mm. Um, and certainly Vietnam vets. You only have yep. to take a, a walk down, uh, you know, any street in in New York or LA to or anywhere really um, in major cities to find huge swathes of veterans from the Vietnam War still suffering today. And what happens to that abandonment? And that also gives the justification for a device that is already trying to work here, which is the reluctant hero, which, as we said, is a very successful, well-known trope of a hero's journey in a Greek saga tragedy, which again is is what you know, Star Wars hinges on and what so many superhero uh, journeys um, hinge upon. So it gives him a real reason to be reluctant and a reason to get involved other than Courtney Cox falling over in the street and saying, by the way, I'll give you 500 grand. Yeah. And him going, oh, all right, I'll half-ass it then. I mean, that's not just just not good enough yeah. when you're talking about stakes of lives. You yeah. Know. Um, yeah, I just do do a little quick uh, uh, shout-out if anyone is interested in these... Uh, things that we're kind of talking about um uh is is one of my favorite possibly my favorite ever graphic novel which is called kingdom come by uh mark wade and alex ross alex ross is 
brilliant writer but also beautiful illustrator of, uh, of graphic novels and it's essentially kind of set in a future where all the great it's just it's dc and all all the sort of justice league are have been forgotten and left behind and and you've got this superman in his 60s just back working on martha and george kent's farm and wow. it's and and it is about how they were kind of lauded and held up and then were were sort of either they they removed themselves or society moved on and what happens to that superhero yeah. when they're left you know that's it's, great it's, it's great it's it's a really really great graphic novel and and you've got the 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 sort of son sons and daughters and, and grandchildren and uh, lineage have taken up the mantles of of their predecessors so you've got some of the same characters but they're but they're different people and and because of that they're not sort of the altruistic people they were and they've been co-opted by them by the media and then there's brand new sort of superheroes that were never around before that that are, that are pretty dreadful and all kind of very commercialized mm. and 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 yeah it's it's great it's really that sounds really really fun yeah so i think yeah i think you know taking that structure tidying it up um and 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 having us as an audience finding out the information at the same time the characters are having two threads that join together by a strong central character also making the most out of like you know courtney cox's chops as an actor um uh, and also giving her character some kind of substance because if there are going to be so few women in this film they've got to be at least you know, well-drawn-out, useful, intelligent, functional characters rather than accessories. Yeah. Um, I think also, you know, you you can have someone... Uh, I think when it comes to the, the, the villain at the end is something you probably need to address. And this yeah. is where it gets a bit complicated for me. But I think, do we still have it as concussion... You know, Tim Allen believes died in Vietnam mm-hmm. during the MK Ultra experiments. He never got over it. They excommunicated him and left him as a veteran to rot because they didn't want him to talk mm-hmm. about what happened with his brother. And maybe he went a bit crazy. Maybe we're even talking about a little bit of a uh, apocalypse now situation, yeah. which of course was drawn on the Second World War. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you have the idea of uh, of um, you know the Kurt figure, the Marlon Brando yeah, yeah, figure, yeah. Kind of going Kurtz, rogue yeah. and going mad. Kurtz. Um, maybe that is kind of concussion mm-hmm. in that sense, um, and he's never been dead the whole time, and maybe he is actually the man behind the man. Yeah. Rather than Darth Vader being the ultimate villain, obviously you have the the um uh, Ian McDermott character. What's his name? The um the oh um Lord uh, Al- Palpatine. Uh, Palpatine. Yeah. You know, being behind that even, um, and these layers of kind of mm-hmm. darkness and where mm-hmm. they're coming from. Maybe actually this is about concussion coming back and saying no, we need to you know get security right we screwed it up in the second world war but we're going to get it right this time i'm going to save america and this government doesn't know what it's doing and i'm going to have to take control of the american military and kidnap these children to try and save the day and tim allen's going oh my god i thought you were dead yeah second of all courtney cox has come and told me what you're doing and if there's one thing i have left in my life it's enough energy and and purpose Mm. to stop this happening again and i think over the course of that journey you can still have the reunion of the two brothers and perhaps the forgiveness Mm. of of each other for the things that they saw each other do out there, but also the way it's turned um, uh, concussion into this kind of slightly evil figure. Yeah. Um, And if concussion ends up seeing the light and saying, 
you're right. I've you 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 took the trauma and turned it into shame and negativity and Im- mm-hmm. and immobility and and uh, impotence, you know, yeah. and became a, a depressed you know veteran thrown out by the establishment. I took my trauma, internalized it, and decided that if I didn't use it to inflict unutterable pain on yeah. quote unquote the enemy at this stage being communism and Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia then it would be a waste what I've learned is that actually all of this is meaningless yeah and what we must do is use our powers to stop American politicians using political angles and the threat of winning or losing the next election and being prepared to waste thousands and thousands of young Americans' conscripted lives yeah. in order to kill an othered uh, group of people in Vietnam who have no longer the desire to be at war, um, uh, nor the desire to take over the world either. Yeah. So, it, it, what would it's a stretch, yeah. maybe? No, I, no, but I think it would be really lovely yeah. if, in this superhero movie where fantastical things can happen and history can change, why don't we have Tim Allen? And uh, and and uh, his brother coming together with the team and the help of Courtney Cox and the alliance of parents against the war to bring about the actual end of the Vietnam War by yeah. withdrawing their power and destroying the military from within. Lovely, love it, love it. We all have in. we have a statement. We can keep yeah. the ugliness. We can keep the trauma. We can yeah. keep the all the dark stuff in there, mm-hmm. which kind of shouldn't be in there if it's a kids' film. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I'm not suggesting this, this is made is for no, ten year olds. Yeah. I think it's a darker film. I think it is a darker film, um, but it can be um, full of, of all those wonderful things. Interesting. Tim Allen said before he came in to do the rewrites on it, it was a much darker film, and he was like, "This isn't for kids." So. So there, there is a, there is a darker version of this film out there that exists. Um, wow. That exists anyway. Uh, but um, yeah, I think you know, and we have kept basically all a lot of the beats are going to be the same. We've just geographically changed things and, and shifted things around. But in terms of the journey of of the kids and the powers, I mean, all that kind of stuff is is relatively going to be still all, all there. Um, yeah, I think we should t- tie it up. And, um, pretty and, good yeah I'm also quite proud of us because I think it's the first one where we haven't actually just um, uh, used it as uh, an opportunity to take down the Catholic Church oh yeah no no I did forget by the way concussion is the Pope <laughs> oh right okay. yeah there we are yeah yeah, yeah, well, yeah that yeah, makes yeah, sense yeah, 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 that yeah, makes yeah. sense yeah um, very good oh if you made it through well you done. are you are doing well, well. done to you um so <laughs> one final thing before we leave you for another week is to uh hit go on the randomizer and see which film we are going to make better for dun, you dun, dun, dun. next week drum roll please so it is a film that i have never heard of called the singing forest so the singing forest is a 2003 american romantic fantasy film uh, written, produced, and directed by George Amir, and starring John Sharon, Erin Lee Price, and Craig Pinkston, who are people that have never, never existed ah! before. It's got 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, and it also has a rare, even rarer, I believe, one out of a hundred rating on Metacritic. Wow. Uh, reviewing the film, the New York Times, Stephen Holden wrote, "The Singing Forest" was written and directed by George Amir, whose film Strippers opened three years ago and remained the single worst movie I'd ever reviewed until now wow so uh join us next week 
when we will be taking a stroll through the singing forest. I mean, how are we going to sort that one out? I oh, never know, okay. but we yeah. always manage it. We'll get there. In the meantime, do, of course, like, share and subscribe uh, to uh, all of our socials and, and share around the podcast. Listen, of course, to all our previous podcasts, Jonathan Creek, any requests, all the specials uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. Oh, cheeky plug. Also, oh, yeah. if you want to hear us uh, uh, tell some of our own stories, you can catch me performing Thirst, produced by uh, and, and co-directed by David, uh, performing at Bath, the Rondo Theatre, this Friday and Saturday. Absolutely. And uh, you can catch me in two weeks' time at the Penn Theatre in Bermondsey, where I'm making my triumphant return to in front of the stage mm-hmm. uh, uh, as I retread the boards. Not on the stage, just slightly in front slightly of it. Slightly in front yeah. of the stage um, where uh, I am performing a one-man show all about Orson Welles. So that is called Raising Kane. Uh, and you can check out all the details at thepentheatre.com forward slash Raising Kane. In the meantime, I have been David Chopland. And I've been Callum Hughes. And we will see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.